0: On deck for me uh, back at work. I'm sure a lot of you are back at work as well. Uh, the dreaded back to work day. For some of you, you might have an extra week. You lucky buggers. Um, but look, uh, yeah, we'd love to just get you involved straight away. Uh, give us a text, 8833, or give me a call, 800 11. I've been uh, out of the loop for two weeks. Um, so we'd love to hear how your summer's gone, uh, what you got up to, uh, what you enjoyed sporting wise and the sporting landscape. Um, yeah, we'd be really keen to hear from you between now and two o'clock. So feel free to jump on the phone anytime, 11 or you can text us at Temper Bed Post Machine on double eight double three. Uh between now and two o'clock though, we are gonna chat plenty of sport um, right off the bat Craig Cummins uh, former Black Cap he is now uh, coaching with the Otago Sparks and the Super Smash he's going to come on talk a little bit of Super Smash as well as the uh, the Black Caps tour of Pakistan um, well the Test Series which wrapped up over the weekend um, we got the ODIs beginning this evening um, between 11 and 12 we have the Serve which is our dedicated tennis show we're going to chat with Ricky Swinnell Uh, who, of course, is commentating the ASB Classic for Sky Sport, doing a fantastic job of that, is Ricky. Uh, And we're going to chat to Brendan Bradford out of Australia. He's a uh, sports journalist over there, big tennis nut. Um, And some Australian Open news. uh, Carlos Alcaraz, the number one seed, um, has pulled out. Has that opened the door for, I guess, Novak Djokovic? But I know Rafa Nadal, I think, now goes into the number one seed spot for the Open. So... Um, yeah, does it open up? That means feel quite a bit not having Alcaraz there. Um, Naomi Osaka has pulled out of the women's side, uh, and an interesting story um, around the Italian player uh, is it Giorgini? I think that's how you pronounce it, Giorgini. Um, she or oh, Georgie, sorry, Georgie. She uh, has been found to be using fake vaccine documents, so she is now under investigation and potentially won't be at the Australian Open. Um, so that's an interesting story, um, and the uh, the tennis doco coming out on Netflix this uh, later this week, Breakpoint, which is produced by the same producers as Drive to Survive. It follows a similar vein in terms of following tennis players around, uh, behind the scenes, background stuff. Uh, it features Nick Kyrgios, Stefanos Tsitsipas, Casper Ruud, uh, Sabalenka on the women's side. So um, Brendan, who I know is a massive documentary binger. Sports documentary, Binger. Um, I want to ask him what uh, what he expects and wants out of a behind-the-scenes tennis documentary. And I also wonder too, even though they don't have the Nadals and the, the, the Novak Djokovic's, etc. cetera, uh, I wonder if Kyrgios is sort of going to be playing that Daniel Ricciardo role that he played in Drive to Survive. You remember season one, Drive, Drive to Survive, didn't have any of the big names. It didn't have Verstappen. It. it didn't have Lewis Hamilton. It didn't have uh, Perez or uh, Bottas. Um, Daniel Ricciardo was the was sort of the main attraction of that first season so I wonder if Nick Kyrgios is going to play a similar role with his tennis documentary in that um, next year and the, the following seasons you will start getting the big names jumping on board if it's a hit so um, we're going to chat with Brendan a, a little bit about that we're actually trying to get the um, documentary producer maker, director uh, on the show maybe later in the week uh, we've sort of got a, a bid in to try and get them on, so uh, that would be very interesting before it drops. I think it drops on Friday, Friday or Saturday New Zealand time. I, th- I think it's Friday UK time, so maybe it's Saturday New Zealand time. Um, we're going to chat with Jeff Lawson as well, who was uh, a former Australian bowler, uh, former coach uh, for Australia, a fast bowling coach, and of course coach Pakistan back in 2008. Uh, he now writes for the Sydney Morning Herald, has written some great pieces. I do recommend you go and have a look. Uh, At his writing on the Sydney Morning Herald, um, where he talks about, uh, I guess, the demise of the competitiveness of Test cricket, given the T Twenty leagues that have popped up around the world. So we're going to chat to him about um, Australia's series against South Africa, but also uh, that article that he wrote on the Sydney Morning Herald, and we're going to chat some Phoenix as well. Um, hopefully, with uh, with David Choate who of course uh, calls the games for us on ECNZ. Um, what a wild, what a wild finish. Uh, to that game against Sydney on the weekend. Uh, bizarre scenes. But ironically, probably the best football um, the Phoenix have played this season. They win the game 1-0 and you wonder if that is going to be the spark uh, to you know really get their season underway. They're, they're going through that classic Phoenix um, phase where they draw a whole bunch of games. Uh, they haven't lost a whole bunch of games but they have drawn a bunch of games the games that you'd think they might have been able to win um, so they sit in 7th place on the table 3 wins 5 draws and only 3 losses um, scoring sort of always been the problem hasn't it for the Phoenix the last few years so I, I'm going to ask David Chode if he thinks we, we've we got, got it sorted at the moment um, do we have enough scoring firepower to, uh, to to press on. So that's what's coming up between uh, 10 and 2 today. Like I said, we'd love your input though on 800 or double eight double three if you want to get on the temper bid post text machine. Plenty of times uh, or plenty of opportunities to engage. And uh, we're also going to do our new normal segments, our stump by... Smithy or Stump by Sammy, we're going to do that I think around about 12.40, I know it's usually done 11.30 but we've got our tennis show between 11 and 12 today so Stump's going to be around about 12.40 Um, and we're also going to have a hopefully a TAB update, we'll uh, find out what's making news. Um, We do have our tennis quiz during the 11 to 12 hour if you fancy yourself as a tennis buff. And uh, your yeah, chance to win tickets to the ASB Classic, the men's side, which is sort of, uh, you know, underway at the moment in terms of the qualifiers, but uh, the the proper, I think, the round of thirty-two uh, gets underway. Or oh, was it tomorrow? I'm just doing a quick. Uh, I'm just doing a quick Google sh- uh, search. Um, yes, gets underway. Oh, today actually gets underway today. The uh, the round of thirty-two, and then uh, on. Wednesday you head into the round of 16 and, and already you've got um, Cameron Norrie, Schwartzman, and uh, Kaspar Rood awaiting uh, the people to qualify through from the round of 32. It's some really big names here on the men's side which, I'm, which I am very much looking forward to. Let's hope uh, Cyclone Hale which is on the way um, stays away for the ASB Classic. It's sort of funny there's been a lot of chat around um, them needing to put a roof on the tennis centre at the ASB Classic. I mean weather is uncontrollable we all know that you can obviously control a roof but isn't it funny if if it was sunshine over the last two weeks you'd probably say that this classic was going to be the event of the summer for New Zealand you know not a lot of test cricket or home cricket back here um, or not for not for another month or so anyway so you would have said that it was probably going to be the event of the summer but instead just because it rains which we have no control over it's become this big farce and you know players that can Complaining about the tournament and the organisation, and media are calling for you know a roof over the over the centre, which is long overdue. It's um, yeah, it's an interesting discussion. So uh, I might have a chat with Ricky Swinell about that too. Um, just to update you quickly, while we wait for a Craig coming to come on board, uh, the NFL at the moment we are into the final week of games before the playoffs begin next weekend. Uh, well, the wild card um, playoffs at the moment just making sure um, these ones that I'm looking at are finished they have, so uh, look, if you are wanting to watch these games delayed, I know Phil uh, you might want to block your ears if you are listening Uh, Pittsburgh beats the Browns 28-14, these might have been uh, earlier over the weekend as well but I'll read them all out, Uh, Pittsburgh beating Cleveland 28-14 Carolina getting up over New Orleans 10-7 Minnesota, uh, beating Chicago 29-13, Atlanta beating Tampa 30 points to 17, Jacksonville beating Tennessee twenty sixteen, Kansas City getting up over the Raiders big time 31-13, and uh, just watching the Patriots game now, which is just about to wrap up. It looks like Buffalo's going to take the win there, 35 points to 23. Um, I, I would put my money on Buffalo to go all the way this year. I think the, uh, the injury to Brandon Hamlin, of course, which was all over the news last week, um, who is supposedly well onto the uh, way to recovering now? He's breathing on his own, and uh, he's going to be out of hospital. So, um, I I put my money on Buffalo. I think a team rallies around that sort of thing. You know, uh, some teams can I guess go the other way, but I think Buffalo have the ability to to use it as motivation. So I would put a little bit of money on Buffalo to win the uh, the NFL. And I know they're one of the best teams anyway, but um I do think that they'll rally around that. Um, Cincinnati are up over. Baltimore 27-16, four minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Uh, Houston, Indianapolis, Indianapolis, are very close actually. The Texans up 32-31. Indianapolis have the ball. I don't have it up on my screen here, but there's only seconds left on the clock. So um, we'll see if they're in field goal range. They might be able to nab a win here. And I think Brian was telling me Houston have to win this to avoid being the worst team in the league. So if they win this, they get up off the bottom. If not, they're going to stay down the bottom. Um, It looks like Miami's gotten up over the Jets 11-6. That does not sound like an exciting game whatsoever. Um, And then coming up very shortly in about 10 minutes' time, we've got uh, a whole bunch of games. Philly plays the Giants, Washington against Dallas, Denver against the Chargers, uh, Seattle versus the Rams, San Francisco against the Cardinals, 49ers-Cardinals, and then the Packers-Lions is later on at 2.20. So uh, once they're sort of starting to become obvious, the results, I will try and work out the playoff picture for you. I know uh, producer Logan Swinkles tried doing that uh, earlier this morning and it sounded like a minefield. So I'm going to wait until a few results come in and then I'll have a much clearer picture. Um, just struggling to get to Craig Cumming at the moment. So what we'll do is we'll take a short break. Um, we'll keep giving him a go. Hopefully we'll be chatting some cricket to Craig coming after the break. So we'll do that shortly. Bring
1: your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. You're listening to Summer Days with Ricardo Ball on SENZ.
0: Yeah, coming up 10.20 here on uh, Summer Days, SENZ, Sam Hewitt sitting in for Ricardo this week. That NFL picture that I was talking about just before is actually very, very clear. I thought there was still uh, some out around it but pretty much everything's locked in so I'll give you that after the 10.30 news but joining us now on the line former Black Cap himself and now coach of the Otago Sparks to talk a little bit of Super Smash and the Black Caps in Pakistan, it is Craig Cumming who joins us now, day, Craig
2: G'day mate, I would like to apologise if I, I left my phone at home. I, I become the person I hate when I do radio, and not answer
0: the call. <laughs> Sorry, mate, but you, it's summer at the moment, so you know we're uh, it's very laid back and relaxed, and you know you don't have to worry too much about it, mate. Um, Super Smash uh, very much underway, and I'm, I'm loving it um, as always. Uh, it's great having the uh, the men's and women side by side, but uh, I'm not look I'm not liking the look of uh, Cyclone Hail, which is moving in, and as uh, as if rain hasn't really affected cricket enough in New Zealand over the past few months do we uh when do we make the decision to just start playing indoors
2: well just make the decision to go to central otago um we played between christmas and new there and new year's there and had i think 30 degree days and yeah it's been it's been disruptive to say the least i mean we had not a bad you know christmas new year period but now and it makes it really tough for you know spectators when it comes to following the competition it makes it tough for you know the players because they get no continuity. So yeah, it's um, but that happens it's at the Beckham. I can say it's a beautiful day in Dunedin today, so <laughs> we could be playing today. Yep. But um, yeah, fingers crossed. We we get through the next um, you know, sort of you know week, and then um, the games are a little bit more spread out when it comes to weekends now. So hopefully, mm. um, you know, the weather gods can play nicely on us and we can get some continuity and and everyone can do it because the competition, both men's and the women's, is very close. It's hard to work out you know, um, where it's going to end up with those top three. So we need to be playing, but we also need our fans to enjoy coming along and watching and not getting wet on the sidelines.
0: Absolutely. And if we if we do just look at the table on the uh, women's side, the Blaze are well and truly out in front. Five wins from five. You uh, and the Otago Sparks sit in third. Two wins, two losses. How have you sort of assessed, I guess, the opening four or five games just as the competition as a whole? Uh, very
2: even. Yeah, the Blaze, um, probably no surprise uh, at the top, but um, the rest of us are sort of, you know, I think we're all sort of stuck at about third or fourth gear. Um, we've we've been going okay. Um, we're trying to change the way we play the game. We're trying to evolve and, and try and turn the pass score from being one thirty, one forty into one sixty. And irony is, we're, the two times we've scored one sixty, we've won the game. So we're trying to do that development stage, but um, you know, it's, uh, yeah, we're getting there. But we need to play Sam as well. That's that's the other challenge. Unless you're playing, you can't we get sick of training. So, you know, we're going okay. I mean, I, I always have a saying, and it used to be the same when I played, is that you've only got to be on the dance floor when it comes to getting to the big dance to be able to have a chance. And, and then in and, and this competition, that's the top three.
3: So, yeah.
2: you know, whether you get... I don't know if there's benefits of playing at home in a way. I, I don't know the stats other than probably the Blaze who um, sort of win most of the time. But is there any benefit of, of if you end up second or third do you benefit from playing at home? I don't know if you do. I, I think um, everyone's pretty used to playing around the country. So if you can make the top three, you give yourself a chance to getting into the top two and, and then you give yourself a chance. So, you know, that's the way I always look. at it. I don't also... It's really important. We're trying to develop the game. So winning is important, but also developing um, our style, as I mentioned, is just as important because... We want to help our white ferns become the best in the world, and to do that, we've got to develop the domestic game and, and give them the best preparation to become white ferns, and allow the white ferns to play the style that'll be competitive at the top level as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You've you've been coaching uh, the team for a few years now, and I'm sure you you say you're learning stuff every season. New challenges, new obstacles. What's been the I guess the the big challenge for you this year? Has there been something different that you've sort of had to had to face in 2023?
2: Yeah, I mean, this is the first time I've been full time now. Like the last two years, I've I've had a full time job and coach. So I don't know if that's a good thing. Saying well, I've got more time to harass the players, <laughs> um, I'm sitting there. Um, I, I just think we've got we, what's really good now. is I think we've got far more resourcing than more in the women's game. I mean, I think all of the head coaches are nearly full time now, and means we've got opportunity to work with our players um, and help develop their skills and. Um, being able to develop the skills will mean they did develop as cricketers. So that's actually a benefit. Um, we are in a stage, as I said, where I think we're all aligned to, to helping transition from the standard that we've been playing to a new standard. And with that, will come a few bumps in the road. But we're all aligned to trying to make sure development's really important. Our biggest challenge is going to be the level below, uh, around under-19s and even under-17s. But we need to start um, you know, producing or lifting the skill level of that area Um, and with that will come time and it will come resources but it's a really exciting time and you know we've got cricketers now who can be semi-professional not quite uh, professional unless you're a white ferns but they're getting rewarded for playing Um, and that hopefully means we've got young you know young girls in in high school seeing people's cricket could be an option for me for the future instead of other sports so Mm. we've got to capture that we really do but the most important thing is even though you get paid and even though you might have more coaching and you might have more resources around, we've still got to make sure the game's fun.
3: Mm. Um, If we
2: don't make game fun at that level, they'll go and play touch. They'll go and play rugby. They'll go and play netball. They'll go and play tennis. So that's what we've got to try and do when it comes to our pathway. But a really exciting time. And I think people will agree, and, and I'm slightly biased, but I've been involved for a couple of years is that the female standard now, especially in our Super Smash, has really taken off and, you know we're seeing really quality cricket start to be played we're not there yet we're not at the finished product but i think you're seeing the, the areas of development and what we're trying to do
0: yeah absolutely and like i said before i i really do enjoy watching them side by side the men's and the women's so um it is a fantastic comp. um craig we've only got a couple of minutes before news i did want to talk to you about yep. the uh, about the black caps uh early saturday morning uh, i was up in the wee hours and one of my favorite images in Test cricket as day five, ten players around the batsman. All three <laughs> all three results in play. It doesn't get much better than that, except it was ruined. Ruined by bad light, which uh, which left a, a sour taste if I'm totally honest, because I feel like both teams had a chance to win.
2: Yeah, and I, to be honest, I was there still at quarter to two in the morning watching from my hotel room in Hamilton, and yeah, maybe, I mean, we've just got to be careful because I, you'd never see the true picture on TV because you don't see how dark it is, but we are talking about an entertainment value and maybe, you know, I love test cricket, it's five days, but to walk off then, is that the best thing for the game when we could have had an outstanding result either way? Mm. And, um, you know, that, that doesn't sit well with me, even as a purist and understanding the rules, that we, we could have had a brilliant result. But, you know, they showed a lot of ticker. There'll be a lot of questions around, should have done this, should have done that. But, again, you and I are still sitting there at 1.45am watching a test match um, overseas. And you've got to say that's a good thing. Um, I think we're in a transition time a little bit with the way we play, but it's really exciting now knowing that we've got a whole lot of cricket coming up at home. Uh, it changes the way we play, Sam, when it comes to our team. We go from having three spinners to going back to four seamers. Um, you know, so the way we are playing, but, you know, it's going to be an exciting time for the Black Caps. They are going through a transition under Tim Saudi, and, um, you know, I still think they're a very good side. And, yeah, I was a little bit flat, too, when it came to the end result there because we could have had a brilliant one. Either way, and I... I wouldn't have minded us losing that test match because we had a chance to
0: win it. Yeah. Absolutely, and it, and like you said, it was very exciting to watch. Even if you, even if Pakistan had got it over, I just I enjoyed. Like I was, yeah. up, I was yeah. up at I was up at midnight thinking, oh, you know, I'll go to bed in, a, in in the next twenty minutes or whatever. And I like like you, I was up till two a.m. So uh, it, it, it kept me hooked. <laughs> so I mean, you, you did sort of touch on a few things here. Obviously, the uh, the transition period and Tim Southy's captaincy, and uh, you know, a lot of people were were making a big deal of the fact that he was constantly walking up to Kane and constantly, you know, asking him for, for advice rather than sort of doing it himself. But I think that's part of this transition period, I mean you can't just, I guess overnight just take the reins and turn and turn a corner completely, so I sort of liked that he was leaning on came for that experience but do, do you think um, or can you help explain a little bit maybe the decision making around, you know, the new ball became available, we didn't take it straight away we, we chose to stick with, with the seamers rather than, you know, getting Esoti and, and Bracewell back on Could you could you justify why Tim might have made those decisions?
2: Yeah, I can, well in a way because Yes and no. No, I can't because we are playing a different style of cricket in a different country that we're completely not used to. I mean, we're not used to juggling three spinners.
3: Mm.
2: We know how to rotate our seamers. We know how to use seamers very well, but we're in a situation there where we've got three spinners, and how do you use them? They can bowl longer spells, and the irony was that probably our third spinner, Michael Bracewell, was probably the most successful. So all of a sudden, the way that you maybe planned things um, had gone up in the air, so... You know, I, Tim was great. I mean, uh, he's he's leaning on Kane. Of course he's going to because Kane hasn't even really been in that situation very often, um, as a captain. I mean, playing in the subcontinent, playing in Pakistan, they've never played there, trying to work out do we take the new ball or not. Well, in New Zealand you just take the new ball. Yeah. Without a doubt, and you throw it to your seamers. So a whole lot of the things that they were getting put into, they haven't experienced themselves. So, um, you know, they'll look back and maybe think of, yeah, we could have bought in a bit earlier and those things, but when you're asked to do something for the first time again, you, you're not sure what you're quite meant to be doing. So, um, you know, i the game, should Matt Henry still be bowling? You know, get Henry off. And then he got a wicket. You, <laughs> so, um, you know, it's you um, know, it, it was a different style of cricket that we're not really that used to. But when we come home, we play our four seamers. We don't even play a spinner, which I think we've got to change. Hmm. But, um, you know, that's our natural. That's our DNA. And we were in the complete opposite. So, um, you know, Again, they're sitting there asking themselves what do we do here and they've had no experience of what they've done in the past. So that's why you've probably got bigger conversations, more people involved in and- They'll learn from that. Next time they're there, they'll be
0: slightly better for it. Yeah, and I and I do agree with the with the spinning angle. I, a lot of people, I think, were um, yeah. It was great to see more spinners involved in, in a New Zealand cricket team. And I even had an Australian guy text me saying, "Gosh, you guys have so many spinners available. It's crazy." It, you know, obviously <laughs> doesn't know that we don't play them back in New Zealand. But I agree. I, I'd like to see them used a little bit more. Uh, just before I let you go, Craig, uh, Jacob, and Zach in the under 19s this week in Christchurch. Is there uh, any space in the Super Smash schedule for you to get on the boundary rope and, and offer some?
2: And coaching? I won't be offering coaching. Uh, <laughs> I'm hoping maybe to get up in the next couple of days just to go and sit on the bank and hide under a tree if I can get a chance and just watch. they um, you know, they're, they're their own identities, they're their own boys, and um, you know, it's it's. I'm just a dad. They reach out every now and then. Jacob's obviously been playing for the Volts, and um, a chance for him to actually really nice to go back and just play with his mates. Mm. Um, and, and Zach's a couple of years, he's still got another couple of years in under-19s, and he's a different, he's a leg spinner batter, so leg spin, don't come and ask Dad about that, Um, (laughs) but yeah, hopefully, hopefully, just, um, I don't say much about them, I just, yeah, go and hide, and try and stay out of it, and let them be themselves, and enjoy themselves, and, um, you know, it's always nice when you see your two sons playing together in the same team, and, you know, you just hope they have fun and enjoy themselves, because it's a tough game, but Um, you know, they they handle things pretty well. So, um, you know, I enjoy watching them
0: and they enjoy playing. Yeah, awesome stuff, mate. Uh, Yeah, looking forward to see how they go this week in Christchurch as well. Uh, Thanks for coming on, mate. Good luck this weekend. I know a tough game against the Blaze. That's going to be a good sort of yardstick for your team. So so good luck for that one and uh, thanks heaps for coming on. Thanks, mate. Sorry about the phone. Yeah, <laughs> right, mate. No worries at all. As I mentioned, it's summer here, so you know we've all got the barbecues on and the and the beers rolling, which is fantastic. Ah, uh, Craig, coming there. If you want to react to that, give us a text double eight double three, or you can jump on the phone oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. Um, yeah, I thought it was interesting. The um Tim Southey obviously constantly leaning on Kane. I'm in Craig's camp. I did see some people critical of that, saying that oh, you know, he Tim Southey needs to take control himself and and you know captain the team with a bit of bravado, but you know you can't not talk to a guy who's kept in the team for basically the last 10 years and, you know, or well, the last six or seven years and, yeah, as Craig said, if you're in a new environment with a new situation, you do sort of want to work out from different people what, what the potential options are. I mean, in hindsight, it's a great thing. When I was watching it on TV, I wanted them to to bring Eshawn a lot earlier. D- I didn't think, you know, um, continuing with the seamers with an old ball was really getting us anywhere, and I know Matt Henry got that wicket, but yeah, you know, I just wanted uh, those uh, spinners to come back on earlier. Maybe we could have wrapped the game up earlier, but um, you know, hindsight is, is a wonderful thing. But if you want to react to that, oh uh, eight hundred one five oh a eleven or double eight double three, and we'll get to those after news.
1: One New Zealand is an official sponsor of the ASB Classic.
0: Start paying. and then a guy basically comes in yelling at him like with a baseball bat and he had walked into the complete wrong house. The party was like next door and he walked through the back door thinking (laughs) thinking he was at the party but he walked into the wrong house So this guy like chases him out with a baseball bat and then when he goes back into the party he can't find the mate that he had come there with anywhere at all and he was walking around he was searching and asking. So he didn't know anyone there and didn't have his mate there and he needed to get back to where we were which wasn't close to, he thought it was close to where it was. It was like 50 minutes away type thing and so yeah anyway he ended up hitchhiking from like a, a local cat it was just a very very funny eclectic story of my dave matthews experience i love the concert i enjoyed it it was fantastic and i do love dave matthews i think he's a, a very talented musician and he's an actor as well did you know that? no what's yeah. he in um have you seen just go with it with um adam sandler and uh jennifer anderson just uh, go no, with I it know the great you're film talking about. I know very the you're good about. film and uh he's in that uh for people keen people he's the husband of um oh what's that? Who's the who's the Australian actress uh, Kimmin Nicole Ah, oh.
4: Is she Australian? <laughs> I think she is. I was thinking River Wilson though. No, 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 no,
0: no. <laughs> Nicole Kimmin, And uh he's he's like the husband of Nicole Kimmin in the movie and he's uh it's Dave Matthews. I didn't know until I saw the credits at the end. Anyway, let's get back to talking some sport. We have got a couple of people on the line at uh, 080150811 if you want to jump aboard the conversation. Uh let's kick it off with Zaid. Mate, I've not spoken to you in a couple of weeks. How you doing? Yeah, good, thanks. How was all um, Charlie and you going? Oh, we're doing fantastic, mate. No, we had a good couple of weeks off, Um, yep, just with the fam down in Hamilton, played a little bit of golf um, and watched plenty of sport, mate, so I cannot complain. How about you? How was your Christmas?
5: Yeah, well, good. Went down and saw my um, granddad and um, Martin, so that was alright. Nice.
0: Good stuff. And you watched plenty of sport?
5: Yeah, I've been loving the Big Bash lately. Um, It's uh, Chris Flynn. He's uh, finished now, but he went off the other night, um probably the best game in the tournament. They chased down two hundred and thirty of twenty overs, so that was a pretty good game. Um was good to see Colin Monroe had a few sixes um as well. He's been playing so yeah it's been quite good.
3: Yeah.
5: Um so quite a few black caps um black caps in the base this year which has been quite good, but it's has more on such a good time. Like quarter past nine sometimes it like a double header. So was you are sports next game and it's like Usually quarter past eleven, so it's always like pretty good times. Mm. Um, yeah, when's um Steffi on the
0: next week? He's coming back on the twenty third, I think. So not next week, but the oh, week yeah. after. Yeah, so if I you can, think, uh, yeah. if you can bear with me for for that long, Zaid. Uh, <laughs> and right. Staffy will be back just, on the twenty third. Just, just wondering. Yeah, no, good stuff. Um, oh.
5: yep. And the black, quickly on the black cap. So um, yep. yeah, it's a bit frustrating. They um They fall off with three hours to go. And like we had our spin bowlers on, so there's nothing even that like uh, there's n- there's nothing really wrong with the safety. It's not like they told us that we had to have spin bowlers on, so we applied the rules. So why can't they just play those last four overs out? Because either team could still win. And in at first team, we needed one wicket. Yeah. Why did they have to just? Why couldn't they just play three overs out?
0: Yeah, I, I um I liked um Craig Cummings point and in, in that I think you need, even if there is some sort of rule in place around how many overs are supposed to be bowled and, and you know the certain elements of light, you know, for the sake of the game, a bit of common sense from the umpires that hey look, this game's on a knife edge, three overs is probably gonna decide it, we can squeeze three overs in. Um, they had the lights yeah. on as well and, and I you know, Craig was we don't know what the light was really like on the ground, but it seemed I mean, I think it was Smithy who mentioned, you know, the guy had hit a six about three balls earlier so you can't tell me that the light's so bad this guy's hitting a six over you know um, over cover you can't tell me that the light's so terrible you know the the guy's hitting around the park but you know I I don't know what the solution is maybe you know if if they look at a day five and think that the results in play do they start half an hour earlier you know I know they took an extra lunch I think that's part of the religious culture over there that um yeah. you know to do with prayer or something so they so they had an extra half hour at lunch but I mean surely there's ways there's solutions here to avoid this happening it does happen not all the time in Test cricket but it does happen quite often that you know they get called off on day five because of poor light I feel like that happened in India when we played there last year as well so I'm sure there's some solution out there they
5: no, all good. Thank
0: you. Good good stuff, mate. I appreciate the call and uh, good to catch up as well. Um, I'm sure staff will look forward to talking to you in a couple of weeks. So uh, let's go to uh, Cliff down in Dunedin. G'day, Cliff. Oh, have I got you there, Cliff? Oh, no. Cliff's, Cliff's put us hold Oh, there we go. You there? Yeah, yeah, I got you, Cliff. I thought you put me on hold. How are you? Oh, yeah. Hey, good.
6: Hey, I thought it was a one of those tests that we missed the opportunity every time we seem to be look like we we're getting on top of them, you know, we got the a hundred run lead off our 10 and 11 and we, and then we came out and we got Barbara's arm. We had them in trouble. Mm. We had them in trouble a couple of times in that test. And it was almost like we took the foot off. We just let them back into the game and then let it meander. It just meandered along. And then suddenly we, we'd get some wickets or they would do the same. And then, but no one had that killer blow. Yeah. No one, it was like, it was like every, both sides were saying, well, I'm waiting for you to give me a punch, but, but I've got my guard up in case, but it just wasn't happening. And, and that was really a bit of a shame. You know, I thought, I thought at times that we looked like we could have put them away, but I don't know whether we just needed another bowler who had a wee bit more pace or, I, I mean, I, I just felt we bowled brace were a lot and he just kept bowling length balls he just was bowling a, a good line and was tied he got four wickets in the end on the last on the last day when they they just about threw it away um by losing those wickets so cheaply I don't know what decided they would do they just threw it away in the end but and then they end up holding on but uh, yeah, it was a funny funny test. It was a bit like the Australian test, you know, that they went off with bad light and then they then that sort of sets the scene because mm. it's very difficult to get back on even if you got the lights on.
3: Yeah.
6: You know, playing, playing these things. But um, so you you played a bit of guy. I had my best round ever on Saturday hey, Night Club Day.
0: That a boy, Cliff, where whereabouts?
6: Uh, down at Ardley at Palmerston, oh. shot
0: 75 off the stick. Oh, mate, that's fantastic. I was about to tell you that I shot my best as well, but it's nothing near 75, so now I'm embarrassed to say. But I, uh, I went under 100, we'll say that much, which I was, uh, which I was yeah. stoked about. It seems to be maybe it's all the, uh, the Christmas turkey and, uh, and the booze that makes us better golf players over the Christmas period, Cliff.
6: Well, I think everybody played reasonably well at our course on, you know, like it was a nice day. It wasn't too windy, but yeah, something clicked. I just was hitting the ball sweet and yep. made some a nice, couple of birdies in there, and it just made it so much easier. Oh, that's I don't a,
0: know what, it's, but, it's, a, it's a great yeah. game. It's a great game when you play it well, isn't it, Cliff? Oh,
6: it's, I, I love watching it. I love watching Rory. He's my man. Good um, stuff. Hope he gets a Masters green jacket this year for Rory. That would be that would cap my year off.
0: Yeah, uh, awesome, Cliff. Love it, my friend, and, and and love your thoughts on the cricket as well, mate. Go well. Appreciate it. Cheers. Yeah. There you go. Uh, Cliff there with some thoughts on the cricket. I um, One thing I was a little bit critical of, I mean, yeah, I, I think we might have missed Trent Bolt there, didn't we, in Pakistan? I think that's probably an obvious one. The Black Caps will 100% be kicking themselves that they weren't able to get a result there. But one thing I I will be critical about, Um, I thought you know the fielding placement from Tim Southey was very, very conservative when we were bowling, uh, particularly to um, Safres. We... You know, that obviously it stacked the boundaries, thinking that, you know, these guys if we if we bring everyone close in, you know, to try and get the nicks and the edges and everything, they'll just start pummeling us through the boundaries and we didn't want them to get close to the total. So we set people out on the boundaries and, and they just kept the score rate ticking over. Ones and twos, which not only, you know, keeps the score going, but allows these guys to stay in for longer, get their eyes in and feel more comfortable at the crease. So I thought we were a little bit too conservative there and we talk about you know the Black Caps being too conservative. Could we be more aggressive with some of the fielding placements and and you know how we were bowling to them, etc. Um, but when you're just bowling, as Cliff there said, you know line length deli- or just length deliveries and letting them take over the the run rate, well the Test match isn't going anywhere from our perspective. So I think it was a chance missed. It definitely was a chance missed, and and a win there would have won the series in Pakistan, which would have been a, a fantastic result for us given that we're on a little bit of a not a downtrend but a, but a transition we've only won two tests in our last 10 you know after winning the world championship uh, the test championship we're, we're two wins from 10 so you know our test team really is in a bit of a hole it would have been great to get a get a test victory series victory over there in Pakistan we've got bears in England up next which is going to be very very tough um, we'll take a short break when we come back I've got these NFL um, results in the playoff picture here that I'm going to run you through so we'll do that after the break here
3: comes the-
0: yeah that's an nfl song right there they used to put that on all the um like big hits highlight you know used to type in youtube nfl biggest hits and they'd have that song in the background, same with the NHL hits which is fantastic. Speaking of the NFL uh, I gave out some of the results earlier and I said I'd uh, clear up the playoff picture, it's actually pretty much set in stone so the AFC all locked in Kansas City number one seed, the Bills the Bengals, uh, the Jaguars, the Chargers the Ravens and the Dolphins all in the uh, in the playoffs so the Pats the Steelers and the Titans all miss out um, who were sort of teetering on the edge and then in the NFC um, the Eagles have a ninety. Five percent chance of being the number one seed i imagine if they get up over the giants which they're 10 up at the moment they'll clinch that uh, san francisco have clinched the vikings have clinched tampa bay have clinched the cowboys have clinched and the giants have also clinched so the only real um sort of unknown at the moment is green bay who currently sit in the wild card spot in the uh, in the nfc um i think they're currently playing uh Well, they're going to play Detroit. Detroit are in the mix. If Green Bay beat them, they go through. Um, But Seattle as well are in below. So if Green Bay lose and Seattle win, they're currently 3-0 with the Rams, then Seattle, I think, go through. So that's the ramification. So Green Bay just got to win if they want to go through. Uh, The other teams, they all want to win too. So that's basically the playoff picture. Uh, We'll take another short break, come back with some more texts after this.
3: NZ
7: I love every part of my job on Izzy and Campy for breakfast. Tell you what, definitely love hearing from you on 0800 150 811 every morning. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment,
1: parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. You're listening to Summer Days with Ricardo Ball on SENZ.
0: coming up at 11 o'clock here on SENZ. Going to chat tennis between 11 and 12. Going to talk with Ricky Swinnell, hopefully Brendan Bradford out of Australia as well. This new uh, Netflix tennis doco dropping later this week, Breakpoint, which uh, is made by the same people as Drive to Survive. So if it's anything like that, it's going to be fantastic. Just keep an eye on the uh, Century Tournament of Champions, the PGA, Uh, playing over in Hawaii. Colin Murakawa is 27-under. He's, uh, this is round four he's uh, through six holes but he's 27 under then uh, John Ram Fitzpatrick list all on 20 under and then uh, Scheffler on 19 under so uh, gee whiz a very low scoring tournament certainly nothing like my golf over the last couple of weeks um, keep your texts coming through on double eight double three. the Timber Bed Post text machine this is SNZ summer days thanks to Brandt your local John Deere equipment supplier the Serve, our tennis hour, coming up between 11 and 12.
8: Auckland weather. Partly cloudy today with a few showers. Rain developing in the evening. south is high 26, low 18. Join us for live commentary of the Black Caps one day international against Sri Lanka from 10 tonight on SENZ.
9: 1NZ has one awesome summer lined up for you.
1: This is The Serve with Ricardo Ball on SENZ. I'm
7: living your life. The rock star. Please sit down. Move. Come on. Thank right you. there. Right please. there. Please, please, please. Have a seat. Come, Come on. on. Sorry about the mess. Here's my idea. Check it out. Poolside. Girls everywhere. Right? You like that, right, Enrique? We're talking the ultimate glamour lifestyle, right? Black and white stock bill. Coming over the shoulder. Crisp white soup. You're drinking an espresso, you're keeping it crispy all the way. There's just one girl over there and you like her.
3: And do you know, do you know, do you know what it feels like love through
0: Oh, thanks for the uh, extended intro there, uh, B Ryan, just painting a picture. A bit of a summary picture, though, to be fair, poolside. I've got it's the image in my picture. head. Beautiful picture, a nice white suit. You'd like a white suit, wouldn't you?
4: Yeah, yeah, go off in a white suit. Do you? Well,
0: because you know I think you look like uh, the guy from Outcast. You know that well. I tell you uh, that all the time.
4: Racially ambiguous, they, they call me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but he wears a, a white suit in the... Uh, in, well, What's the... Prototype. Is it? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah He's yeah. definitely wearing all okay. white and prototype. Yeah, there you go. All right, so... Uh, yeah, Enrique Iglesias, Enrique Iglesias.
4: Mate, just quickly, I um, I watched footage of this guy in a concert once and um yep. they had those really flash drones, right? They, they were filming. They looked like, almost like helicopters. Yeah. And as one came towards him, oh. he decided to reach out and grab it and guess what had happened to his hand? <laughs> oh, oh, and right. I can see it too. He probably thought it was
0: like this beautiful Oh,
4: the the whole thing was romantic, you yeah. know. He was like he was leaning out to kiss it, grabs <laughs> it and it chops his hand up.
0: <laughs> oh, I was brilliant. Oh, that- That's great for people who aren't romantics at all. It's just exactly what you want. Uh, Oh, well, okay, reset. Uh, Between 11 and 12, uh, we're going to chat tennis. It is uh, The Serve, our dedicated tennis show. um, And One New Zealand is an official sponsor of the ASB Classic. On in Auckland at the moment, of course, the men's side is uh, getting underway. The business end later in this uh, later on this week, um, we're going to chat to Ricky Small very, very shortly. Uh, of course, she's a host of Trailblazers here on ECNZ, but she also commentates for Sky. What does she not do? Really, that's what I'm going to ask Ricky. Uh, and then after 11:30, we're hoping to catch up with Brendan Bradford out of Australia. He's uh, Australian based. He's actually a Kiwi, and he's a massive tennis nut. And just want to get the uh, the lay of the land on what's going on in the Aussie Open with players pulling out. Uh, Al- uh, Al Karez and Naomi Osaka players always pull out of the majors it always happens because of injuries etc but um, yeah we're interested to see who is going to sort of take that mantle off Al Karez is as the favourite for the Aussie Open is it going to be Novak is it going to be Rafa Nadal uh, who of course won it last year um, I always love the Aussie Open absolutely love it um, Zayd mentioned the big bash being on at a great time just in the evening I think the Aussie Open's also on at, at a great time uh, your chance as well to go into the draw to win Um, a private experience at the ASB Classic um, with our good hosts here if you can answer our three questions correctly during our uh, You Cannot Be Serious quiz segment. So uh, stay tuned for that. It's going to happen around about 11.40. But right now, uh, we're going to chat to one of our own here, Ricky Swinnell, who's been calling the ASB Classic uh, for Sky and doing an absolutely fantastic job. She joins us now. G'day, Rick.
9: G'day mate, how are you?
0: Mate, I'm doing very, very well. Is there anything you don't do? Like rugby, sevens, <laughs> netball, cricket, tennis, like it's getting out of hand.
9: Well, it's either jack of all trade, master of none, isn't it?
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, not at all. Is there actually is there actually anything sort of like bizarre that you've ever commentated before? Like you haven't done underwater hockey or something like that, have you?
9: No, I wouldn't say, uh, I've done weightlifting, which I would okay. say is bizarre, but it's probably slightly more unique to the others. And I tell you what, thoroughly enjoyed it as well. What a cool sport. Yeah. Um yeah, I mean when I was sort of on my OE years back I, I sort of did a bit of reporting on snooker and darts, which is, you know, slightly different for a for a Kiwi to do. But <laughs> no, I haven't commentated anything like underwater hockey as yet, but look, we'll throw it out there and I can uh, give it a go if look, you want.
0: Knowing, knowing <laughs> you, Rick, it'll, it'll appear somewhere in your in your CV in the, in the coming years. Um, let's talk some tennis. Uh, the ASB Classic, the women's side, wrapped up last night. Coco Goff beating uh, Spaniard Rebecca Mazarova 6-1, 6-1 in the final. Wouldn't have been a uh, 2023 ASB Classic match without a bit of rain as well, uh, but we did eventually get there, and let's be honest, Ricky, the number one seed, one of the world's most exciting talents. It was pretty easy work for, for Coco Goff in the end
9: yeah it was and and i think look on the face of it it was it was always going to be on paper as well um and, and her whole run through the tournament has looked like that she um clearly a cut above the rest of the field kind of reminded me a few years back when agnieszka radwanska the great polish player she won the the tournament and didn't drop a set she was probably a little bit more challenged than what coco goff was i think perhaps you know the early exit of Layla Fernandez or not the early exit but the exit of Layla Fernandez changed things as well that massively opened it up for for Goff who was already coming in as you know as as a big favorite she's the only she was the only top 10 player in the world and then i think it was down to Fernandez at 40, which is probably not quite a reflection of how good Layla Fernandez was either. So, yeah, she is just absolutely class and quality and cannot wait to hopefully have her back to come defend the title and see what she does this year.
0: Mm, it's been obviously like a, a, a unique competition just with, I mentioned the rain playing a massive factor and uh, you've been sitting there calling it each day. How do you, I guess, sum up the, the woman's side of the competition? Is it, it, successful or bizarre? How would you sort of sum it up?
9: Well, unique would be one way to put it. Um, I think mid, midway through the week, I used the term soul destroying. Um, <laughs> it was, you know, it was it was really hard going this year, unfortunately, and and I think that was probably reflected in in some of the tennis we saw as well. and Maybe that sort of contributed to it. it, just, it the tennis didn't reach the heights that we've seen in other years, and, and that is perhaps going inside, outside, on, off, all of those kind of things, which was so it was just frustrating all round. And, and you've got to see. For the organizer, they'd assembled a really good field um, with some, you know, mm. some really star names, uh, and then basically everything <laughs> went, <laughs> that could go wrong went wrong. You know, with the weather, uh, the injury to Radicano really unfortunate. I mean, on the bright side, you know, we did. Ke- Eventually, you know, it feels like thank God Coco Goff won it with all due respect <laughs> to Rebecca Masarova. It was, it was sort of had that kind of feel mm. to it. So I think it was just one of those years we got a great champion in the end. We saw some excellent players. You know, we got Fernandez out on center court, we got Radicano out on, on center court, and Venus Williams as well. Um, you know, so we did get to see those star players play in front of crowds but yeah it it wasn't one for the books
0: unfortunately no and it's and it's sort of funny because you know the weather which no one has any control over had it been sunny you know you'd probably be talking about the best event of the summer you know (laughs) with with the players that you had on show the fact that you know there's things like cricket and that aren't around for the time being it really could have been you know the event of the summer we get you know emir adekanu lobbing criticism at the tournament you got fans and media calling for a roofed venue do you think there's sort of something practical they can do or is it just a matter of look, rotten luck the weather didn't play ball and that's just what happens sometimes
9: Yeah, exactly I mean, you know I always remember Carl Budge the former tournament director when it would rain and we haven't had a year rain-wise like that for, for a wee while admittedly obviously we haven't been there for a couple of years but You know, it's sort of going back 2018, even 2016, since we've had really rotten weather. You can't, you can't legislate, you can't control the weather, but I think you can plan it, um, plan for it. And so I think there was a bit of a scramble on that first day when they were deciding to get indoors, and and that delayed things as well. But yeah, I mean, it is what it is. Okay, I I, I totally understand the calls for the roof. Um, as well, it is a big, expensive exercise to undertake for, I know people are saying, two tournaments a year. So I think if, if the roof goes on, I think we need to look at what else can we do in that venue. Margaret Court Arena at the Australian Open, they play netball on there, they put a netball court down and, and they play their super netball there. Um, what, else can we, what else could we use that tennis centre venue for mm. um, outside of the two weeks with a roof on and, and think really innovatively, can we attract some different kinds of events? Could we put the darts on there? You know, that mm. kind of stuff. Um, Just to think a little bit differently, if if that's the way it's going to be, and and mentioned, geez, I'd be all in for a roof, hundred percent. Yeah. You know, but it can't just be for the tennis. It has to be for a whole lot of different things, and it could become a great venue for the city. Was
0: it? Was you throwing the darts in there? Just a bit of a. uh... You know, Ricky swanell commentating the darts, and you know, 2024, 2025 <laughs> no, as well.
9: No, no, no. I would quite happily sit in the stand stand with her, with her. Well, I was gonna say a pint, but I don't actually drink beer with a glass of wine. not necessarily the darts kind of thing. But you know, you know what I mean. Those yeah. Like oh no, hundred percent. with our sport and events. We could be really, we could be much more innovative. Yeah. Um, maybe a little less conservative in some of our thinking and and the way we do things if we want to attract world-class sporting events and and world-class athletes which we do for the tennis um so how can we keep jumping on that
0: yeah no I totally agree with you do you think like I don't I hate to be negative because I really do love the ASB Classics one of my favorite events over summer but does it does what we sort of see this year does it hamper it in any way like from a player's point of view I mean Radicanu's criticism doesn't help but do you think some players looking and go oh you know I'm not really that keen on that I'll, I'll go to something in Aussie or I'll go somewhere else
9: no, I don't think so. I think we've had you know, we've had incident incidents over the years where we have had the rain or or things have happened and, you know, Serena Williams with the wind factor a few mm. years ago and he was like, Oh gosh, I think it kind of goes a little bit to that Kiwi thing of we want everyone to really like us. Yeah. Um, and you know, the, the Radicani situation is really unfortunate. Would will she be rushing back to Auckland? I doubt it. Um, to, to play, it sounds like she had a great time um, in the small amount of time she did get to see the city. But then you've got the flip side of Coco Goff, who came with her with her whole family. They had Christmas here. They went to Waiheke. They, you know, they did hmm. so much and love and enjoy the city. I, I think when you look over the years of the fields that have been able to be assembled and all of that, like I mean, it doesn't help. You know, no negative publicity doesn't help, but. I think tennis players, by and large, can understand that the weather is a, is a big factor in their sport um, and that it can't be controlled.
0: Mm. Okay, let's talk about the men's side, which uh, is is underway with with qualifiers, etc. Ajit Rai playing Brazilian Thiago Montero after a massive upset against the uh, the 92nd ranked ATP men's player uh, Montero uh, Montero ranked 71 in the world and the number one seed in the qualifier. Ajit won the first set seven six and then uh, Montero came back in the second. The score was five three in the third before the game was suspended. Do they do they come back and play today? Is that how it works? Yeah, they should
9: do. Um, yeah, yeah, and well, where I am in Mount Albert, which is about sort of ten minutes or fifteen minutes or so from uh, where the, the tennis centre is, it's a little bit overcast, I would say. But oh, that's dear. kind of standard this last week. <laughs> um, but not too bad. It hasn't rained. It's okay. It's dry. So yeah, that will be it. They should get hopefully get back out there. Um, and you know, I mean, gee, I uh, Right, that result yesterday is uh, enormous for him. Um, uh, obviously, a, a bigger challenge again, a greater challenge ahead, and. Um, but you know, you often see some really unusual results in qualifying. We did last week with the women's players. You would expect to come through, didn't? Um, you know, so he's he's given himself a chance, but obviously with a, a, a bit of a fight in that third.
0: What do you reckon, like, do you think it works for or against him coming back the next day? Because you'd think, you know, if, if he felt a little bit of momentum, he would have wanted to to get it done last night. But do you think it works in his favour, you know, having a bit of an extra day's rest to, to come back and only play, you know, two or three games?
9: I guess it depends, and I haven't looked. It depends on who's coming out and who's serving and all of that kind of stuff, too. We saw a couple of times last week with a a player who was coming out at break points down and having to, you know, come straight out and and serve Mm. after a rain delay. The slight difference being if you come out on a whole other day as opposed to, you know, later in the day, which sometimes is a little bit easier. But, yeah, I mean yeah sort of how long's a piece of string on that one you just you you, you, you got no time to waste that's yeah. for sure you've got to you, you have to fire straight away really good warm-up really good prep and all of that
0: yeah no it's going to be exciting nevertheless then we move on to the round of 32 and later in the week the round of 16 where we're going to see the Cameron Norris Diego Schwartzman, Caspar Roods a really exciting mm. uh, men's side which uh, is sort of quite open as well who do you who do you like who do you think's the, uh, the real favorite in that men's side
9: well, I should caveat, first of all, by saying I'm a massive fan of Kasparud. So, <laughs> 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 like I, you know, he you know, seems a great bloke. I see he had a very nice uh, – played one of the very nice golf courses yesterday um, a, as well. And yes. he had a, such a good year last year, but – You know, first tournament of the season is always tricky, although, uh, you know, some of these guys, I think Kasparu did play the United Cup last week for Norway. So uh, uh, as as the top seed, he will always be the tournament favourite. What is he? World number three, I think. But, I mean, Cam Norrie had a couple of absolutely exceptional wins for Great Britain last week. Uh, in the United Cup. And coming here, he is going to be so well supported. Um, You just, you hope that, you know, that sense of occasion, because effectively this is a little bit of a home tournament, isn't it, it? for Camp Norrie? Mm -hmm. He's going to be, you know, a lot of focus on him. So, I I mean, I'd love to see him him get up. and, And even though he is feels like a little bit like the one that got away from a new zealand tennis perspective um it would be an awesome result for, for cam Norrie, and, and as i say comes in and great for me had a couple of absolutely outstanding wins last week
0: yeah no I'm, I'm looking forward to that hey you um are you looking forward to this netflix doco that's coming out i think later this week breakpoint which is produced by the same people as the drive to survive series um sort of a behind yeah. the scenes and you're caspar very much involved i'm told
9: yeah, my guess, brood. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I am. Look, I have not watched Drive to Survive. I'm one of those people that when something's really hyped or it's the thing that everybody's watching, I wait until for some for yep. whatever reason. It's I the feel same it. like a book or whatever. Like La- The Last Dance, I didn't watch until about eight months after everybody else had watched it. Um, but I am, yeah, really am looking forward to that. Like. I, a few years back, I sort of was much more regularly covering tennis and did the Australian Open for a few years. And, and when I lived overseas, you know, some of the, the grass court stuff. And it is a very bizarre world, yeah. <laughs> for, for want of a better term, you know, very young, multi-million dollar athletes um, that are on this grind week in, week out, and, and the differences between the haves and the have-nots, even, you know, from number, the difference between number 20 in the world and number 90 in the world is mm. significant in terms of that off-court stuff, so I think it would be really fascinating, I, I am, and I think there's some cool personalities too, um, you know, ones that you love to hate, perhaps like a Nick Kyrgios, who. You know, not a, he's not in my Casper Ruud echelon of, of uh, <laughs> players to love. Um, but yeah, no, I know I am. It's good. And and also, I don't know. This this wet weather that we've been having all around the country, I sort of been burning through a lot of series and yes. a lot of books lately. Yes. I'm looking for something new. Yeah, yeah, I
0: agree. I do agree. And I, I actually um, raised it a, a, an hour or so ago that I wonder if, um, and I know you haven't seen Drive to Survive, but the first season of that didn't really have many of the big names in Formula 1, but Daniel Ricciardo was the sort of star of the, of the first season and became, you know, a big star around oh. the world because of it. And then all the rest of the guys saw, hey, this is actually pretty cool, we'll jump on board. So I wonder if sort of Kyrgios plays a similar role, you know. He'll become the sort of star of the first season and then, uh, you know, you'll, you'll get the, the Djokovic's and the, and the Nadals and the Alcaraz's all wanting to jump on board as well.
9: Yeah, it'd be interesting. I think, I, pa- pa- I wonder really fascinating because Kyrgios is such a polarizing personality, right? And I, I think it could probably in a way do him some good. Yeah. Like you know, because I think a lot of tennis fans or and or even sort of people like us who are, you know, real sport watchers who do watch a fair amount of tennis can can find him um <laughs> you know a tough go sometimes. Whereas if you're a, a casual observer who's just gonna tuck it chuck in and watch this and, and just get to li- see a little bit more about what? He, why he is like he is? Um, you, you're dead right. I mean, I think Daniel Ricciardo is such a great personality, right? So popular and, and comes across, comes across exactly how he is. Mm. So um...
0: yeah, we we will. Oh. oh, I think we're just. Oh, we just we're just losing you there, Rick. will I will let you go, but just quickly, uh, where what, you? What's next for you after the uh, after the ASB Classic? I'm sure you're, you're jetting on a plane somewhere to do something. What what's next on your calendar?
9: No, straight down state highway to Hamilton for me. Hamilton oh, of so your week. dreams. So you know the big, the big trip, the big trip to <laughs> the Tron. So, that'd be cool. We, uh, obviously last time for New Zealand sevens, and be nice to have all the teams out here. Hopefully. The weather plays ball. I know some of them have actually already arrived, to coming in early to do some training, training here in New Zealand. So um, that'll be me down down to the Tron next weekend.
0: Beautiful mate. I was down there for you know most of the Christmas New Year break. It is one of the greatest cities in the world. Um, I'll sing it's that one to of the cat. It is one of the greats, mate. You'll enjoy. It. Just head down to the helm for a pizza, uh, and then straight across to Waikato Stadium. It, it, it doesn't get much better than that, Perfect. mate. <laughs> really appreciate you coming on, Rick, and yeah. uh, and great job. And I have actually mentioned as well. I think I might have flicked a message, but but seriously, the uh, the commentary of the of the Women's Rugby World sure. Cup and. That, that final was arguably probably the best sporting commentary I've heard in, in any sport. Oh. So well done to you, mate. You did an absolutely fantastic well, thank job. you.
9: You're, you're, you're very kind and <laughs> over things, but
0: that, that's very nice. <laughs> this, is, this is what I have to do to get you on the show, right? <laughs> yeah,
9: exactly. I've already come on. We've finished. You don't yeah. have to butter yeah. me up
0: now. All good. Okay, Rick. Uh, thanks, mate. Enjoy the classic. Let's hope the rain stays away, eh?
9: Absolutely. Cheers, mate
0: awesome stuff there you go Ricky Swinnell, um, do love her commentary man like I said the, the, the Women's Rugby World Cup she just did a phenomenal job and I know a lot of texts came into the show uh, after that final saying you know how, how well of a job she did do I thought she called it brilliantly and she's doing a great job at the Classic as well so yeah there you go the men's side uh, as I mentioned is uh, I guess underway in terms of the uh, the qualifiers and then we have the round of 32 starting tomorrow and Wednesday and then the uh, round of 16 I think sort of kicks off Thursday with uh, the big names Cam Norrie Diego Schwartzman, Casper rude. Uh, we will take a short break. Uh, you can keep the text coming in on double eight double three, or you can jump on the phone if you want 0800 150 811 if you've been along to the Classic and you want to offer up some thoughts, uh, we'd love to hear from you. We'll be back after this. SCNZ, it's Kiwi for sport. Call anytime 0800 150 811
9: 1NZ has one awesome summer lined up for you.
1: You're listening to The Serve with Ricardo Ball on SENZ.
0: Jack Johnson is, uh, that's his summer as it comes, isn't it? Jack Johnson, a little guitar. Doesn't he play, he plays Raglan, doesn't he, a lot um, down in Hamilton when he comes over here? Loves the waves, he goes out and plays at Raglan. Um, Played golf at Raglan, actually, just going back to uh, golf stories earlier in the show. uh, Shot my best ever out at Raglan. Um, I'm not going to tell you what the score is because it'll be embarrassing to any decent golfers out there, but uh, shot my personal best out at Raglan and uh, nice course out there, actually. Um, rolling hills, good views of the uh, of the estuary, etc. No sheep on the course, which was a bonus.
4: That's awesome. Do you do you have a favourite course? Um, I don't.
0: I haven't played nearly enough to give my favourite course, but um, I live right next to Helen'sville, and I loved playing that um a couple of weeks ago. So uh, I think that'll be up there for me. Um, did enjoy Raglan, played Horsham Downsie, which is just a little nine hole course that was reasonably fun, um, but. No, I'd probably say Helensville at this stage, yeah. But I'm now that I'm getting more into golf, so I'm very new in this journey. I, I used to play a lot um, in high school, and then I basically haven't played in 10 years. And uh, I came back in, you know, October, bought some clubs, started getting back into it. And so, yeah, I'm heading up to Rua Kaka next week, Ooh, and i going to play up at nice. Waipu. Nice. So um, You know, um,
4: it wasn't until Christmas Day I realised that you were quite the golf nut growing up. Um, you did a special. Right, with oh, the yeah. Afternoons and Staff <laughs> yeah. Christmas Special. Mate, your brother is oh. hilarious. Oh, Andrew, yeah. That story he told, and you're whacking them. He's like, Mum, he's going to hurt
0: someone. Oh, mate. I tell you what, maybe we should um, replay that out later on in the show. We try we'll, and find it. Yeah, hey. yeah we'll, 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 we'll find get it, and we'll replay that out. My brother is, is very, very funny, and he, he told a good story on Christmas Day about um, yeah me practising with my nine-iron at the Hamilton Gardens and uh, how it all went wrong. So (laughs) we might pull that out for you. Um, But anyway, Jack Johnson, he's Hawaiian, and the Century Tournament of Champions has currently been playing in Hawaii, and uh, Colin Marikawa is 27 under through eight holes round four last day. John Rahm second on 21 under, so it's going to take a monumental collapse from Morikawa to lose that one uh, on the PGA Tour. Uh, but I'll keep you updated as that goes along. Uh, updated in the NFL, uh, it is thirty 13-0 to the Philadelphia Eagles over the New York Giants. The uh, Commanders, or the Common, I call them the Commanders, Commanders are 13-0 up over Dallas. Uh, that result doesn't really matter. The uh, Chargers are up against the Broncos. They are leading 14 7. The Rams and the Seahawks are tied at 6s. And then the 49ers are currently leading the Cardinals 14 13. None of those results really matter. Um, it's really the Green Bay Detroit result this afternoon. I mean, Seattle wants to win if they want any chance of going in. But Green Bay Detroit is the one that's going to decide basically who gets the last wild card spot in the uh, NFC. Always get them mixed up. AFC? NFC. Um, now, the ASB Classic fixtures on today. In about half an hour's time, we have on centre court Constant Lestien, who's uh, from France against Pedro. Is it Cutchen? I'm going to say Cutchen who's uh, Argentinian. Um, this is all qualifying. Uh, at 120 on centre court, we have David Goffin, uh, the Belgian, going against Alexander Bublik, who is, is that Kazakhstan? I think that might be Kazakhstan. And then 240, uh, we have Jensen Brooksby against Fabio Fognini, uh, the Italian. And then at seven o'clock tonight, we have Richard Gasquet versus Karen Paul Panu. That's the Kiwi. Um, at seven o'clock. And then at 8.20 we've got uh, Adrian Manorino versus JJ Wolf. Manorino, the Frenchman, and Wolf, the American. Now, I don't know where um, they're going to play the last game of the, or the last few games of the Ajit Rai uh, montiero game third set, I'm not sure where they're going to play that today but I imagine it's mixed in amongst that somewhere so those are the fixtures today at the ASB Classic, uh, we're going to take a break for news, if you want to uh, jump aboard the conversation 0800 150 A11 or double eight double three. after news we're going to hear a little bit from Coco Goff post her win, I also might play out the documentary trailer for you for Breakpoint because it, uh, it does get you in the mood it does get you a little bit excited for what's coming up later this week uh, and don't forget as well we've got You Can't Be Serious, our quiz segment, and around about 15- uh, 10 and 15 minutes time your chance to go into the draw to win a private box at the ASB Classic so we will do all of that but first news
1: One New Zealand is an official sponsor of the ASB Classic
8: Making SENZ news this hour. One person has died after a crash in Auckland's Orewa at the weekend. The accident happened in the early hours of Saturday morning and police are keen to hear from anyone who might have seen what happened. Supporters of former Brazilian President Jair Bolsonaro refused to accept his electoral defeat and stormed Congress, the Supreme Court and the Presidential Palace in Brasilia. And a New Zealand man's been reported missing while doing voluntary work in Ukraine. Andrew Bagshaw is believed to have been delivering humanitarian aid in the war-torn country. SENZradio.nz Sport next.
9: Download the SENZ app today and listen live or catch up on anything you missed from your favourite show.
8: Catch the best of live racing, download the TAB app today. A late equaliser rescued a two-all draw against Cardiff City for Leeds United. An FA Cup action, meanwhile Manchester City cruised to a 4-0 win at home over Chelsea. And two-time champion Naomi Osaka has pulled out of the Australian Open. More Inside 30 on SCNZ. All the big moments from the world of sport. Radio. Auckland weather. Partly cloudy today with a few showers. Rain developing in the evening. Southeasterly is high 26, low 18. Join us for live commentary of the Black Caps one day international against Sri Lanka from 10 tonight on SENZ.
3: the shadow Even though
0: Welcome in, back into summer days here on SNZ. Sam Hewitt sitting in for Ricardo Ball. This is the serve, our dedicated tennis hour. Thanks to One New Zealand, who is an official sponsor of the ASB Classic in Auckland at the moment. Uh, very shortly we'll hear from Coco Golf post-match after her win in the final last night. I'm also going to play the trailer for uh, Breakpoint, which is the Netflix series coming out later this week. Um, yeah, really looking forward to that. If it's anything like Drive to Survive, given those directors are involved, I will be hooked. From the get-go, because as most of you are aware, I was almost anti motorsport before I watched Drive to Survive, and now I'm a massive Formula One fan. So it shows what a what a good Doco can uh, can do to you, right? And uh, I know a lot of basketball fans came out of the woodwork for uh, the Last Dance with. MJ, Michael Jordan um, just a few I guess headlines floating around the tennis world so you heard that um, Coco got uh, sorry Naomi Osaka has pulled out of the Australian Open um, that was a bizarre one because tournament organisers didn't even really know where she was she hadn't signed up for any pre-tournaments uh, you know in Australia or New Zealand um, and they were doubts over whether or not she would actually be there and then of course they came out yesterday and said that um, it's official now she's not going to be there but um, and it sparked a bit of concern over her actually her immediate future in tennis. Is she going to retire? You know, given that this is becoming more common for her, and um, things sort of seem to be getting a bit worse. Um, yeah, sort of a big TBC there. But that's big news for the Aussie Open. And then, uh, yeah, um, Carlos Alcaraz, who was the number one seed. Um, has pulled out of the men's side with a leg injury. Uh, that opens the door for, I think, Nadal now goes into the number one seeded spot for the Aussie Open. Of course, he won it last year. But you got Novak Djokovic there as well. Um, so, yeah, who's the favourite for the men's side? Give me a text on double eight double three. actually, people that know a lot more about tennis than me. Who who do you think's the favourite for the Aussie Open on the men's side now that um, Alcaraz is no longer going to be there? I would say uh, Igor Swatek is the, is the resounding favourite for the women's. I think I'll be right in saying that, um, but the means is a little bit more open. So double eight, double three. If you can uh, offer me your prediction, um, and then the other story that I saw was the uh, the Italian player um, Camilla Giorgi, who has been found to um, be faking her vaccination certificates or certifications, whatever it is, um, to try and get into Australia, and that's been found out. So uh, I just pulled up this. Um, this article here from ABC over in Australia. Uh, the claims which Georgie is yet to publicly address were raised by media in the Italian player's home country. Dr. Daniela Grillwan is under investigation for allegedly delivering fake COVID 19 vaccinations to patients with their knowledge. According to Italian media, uh, she recently identified Georgie as a patient, stating she was not vaccinated against COVID-19 last year. When proof of COVID-19 vaccination was required to enter Australia, she competed in the Aussie Open. So, um, I guess if it's found that she did use false documentation, um, I don't even know if that's a if that's an Australian Open issue or a government issue. She might just get kicked out of Aussie. So she might not be there as well. Um, So there you go. There's a few headlines floating around. Uh, Let's have a listen to uh, Coco Goff, who I think spoke with um, Stephen McIver uh, on the Sky Sport coverage following her ASB Classic final win last night.
2: You got there in the end. Another 24 rain delays. How does this moment feel for you, Coco? Uh,
10: it's been great. It's uh, Honestly, a great week for me, despite the rain. Uh and asked for a better start to my season. Uh, first title on hard since I was 15, so I'm happy to uh, finally do well on the surface that I love.
11: You
2: must be incredibly happy with the way you've played. All week, you have been consistently just drilling your opponents. Uh, where does this consistency come from? What drives you?
10: Uh, honestly, in the off season, I played with a bunch of guys, um, and uh, I was winning some, but losing most of it. So when I played here, it felt good to get some like wins under the belt. Um, but honestly, I credit to my good off season that I had, um, thanks to my coach uh, for prepping me. Even though I was, t- it was tough sometimes, but clearly he knows what he's doing.
2: <laughs> Obvious question, but how much confidence does this give you going to the first Grand Slam of the year?
10: Uh, It gives me a lot of confidence honestly Um, You know, I wasn't sure, you never know how your first week is going to go, it could be good or terrible but um, I think it's been a great week um, for both of us, Rebecca you've had an amazing week coming in as a qualifier and I I hope you guys support her because I know she's playing qualies in Australia very soon Um, so uh, make sure you guys watch her for that I'm sure you're going to do great one final thought. Have you had fun in Auckland? Oh, yeah. Um, I did a lot of things. Uh, went on the boat, uh, went to Waiheke Island and, you know, did a little, a little small jump off the Sky Tower.
0: Well, congratulations. Your season starts. You are the 2023 ASB Classic singles champion. Thank you there you go, Coco Goff talking with Stephen McIver uh, on Sky after her win last night. Amazingly, I didn't know that's her first win on hardcourt uh, in what must be three years because she said 15 she's 18 now. I mean, still so young and uh, I heard Belinda Cordwell on with uh, Stephen McIver on SNZ earlier this morning talking about I guess the potential of Coco Goff and where she can go from here. 18 years old, uh, the world really is her oyster. Let's just hope she doesn't end up, say like a Naomi Osaka who I guess gets burnt out and um, and sort of doesn't, yeah, not live up to the height, but just doesn't get, reach those heights that we uh, we all thought she would. Um, so I've been talking a lot about the uh, the break point, the Netflix series coming out later this week uh, on. Going behind the scenes uh, with some of the biggest names in tennis, you've got uh, Nick Kyrgios, uh, Stefano Tsitsipas is there, who's uh, a little bit of a controversial figure as well alongside uh, Nick Kyrgios. Casper uh, Ruud involved, um, Sabalenka, the, the women's player. Um, there's a couple of others in there too. Um, so that comes out later this week. I think it's six parts. I think they're releasing the th- first three parts, and then the other three will come out, I think, in later in the year, maybe in June. Uh, but anyway, uh, Brian out in, the, uh, out in the booth has uh, found the trailer online, and uh, have a listen to this.
4: You step on that court, time stops.
7: Your
5: heart starts beating faster.
7: The hardest thing in sports is expectation. We've been blessed with an era of greatness. Roger, Rafa, Serena, Novak.
8: Who will take
9: their place? I want to be number one in the world.
10: In tennis, you were out there by yourself.
9: It's not easy to manage all the pressure.
1: The expectation for me to be the next big thing is massive.
9: I know how much work I've put in.
3: I'm chasing a
7: dream. This tournament can change your life.
9: Your body doesn't know what it's about to face. Rita Williams. She's the favorite. I'm the underdog.
5: I have to dedicate all my life to the sport. It's now or never. We need to find a way to win.
11: Fasten your seatbelts, ladies and gentlemen. A little
3: Netflix series and shit. Let's get it, baby.
0: Oh, tell you what, B man. I have not even seen the images, but that gives me goosebumps. That's, yeah. that sounds incredible. See, the thing is, you hear about documentaries, you know, the ideas of them, and you never know quite how they're going to be executed. Like when I heard of a Formula One documentary, I thought, "Oh, not my cup of tea." But man, do they do they package it just in the right way, don't they? That just sounded epic. And you know, I hear this a lot, and I'm very interested to see how the doco plays out because you hear tennis is one of the the most unique sports on the on the in the world. I mean, golf is probably similar. Where you know you're on your own. As Ricky said, it's a grind for a lot of these athletes. The ones that aren't at the top, um, they're, they're traveling on their own. They stay in hotels on their own. When they get out onto the court, they're on their own. I mean, they even get in trouble for getting coached. You know, when they're playing type thing. Like it is literally just them on their own. So, oh man, I'm just love to see the behind the scenes stuff. I mean, you want your heart wants to see Roger and Rafa and all these guys, but. I think the stories of of a Kyrgios and a Kasparud and a Tsitsipas, et cetera, is going to be just as compelling. I mean, in the Formula One, I mean, Daniel Ricciardo, whilst a lovable figure, certainly wouldn't have been anyone's top of list for who they want to see a documentary about, but he made that first season of Drive to Survive, and I'd argue set it up for what it is today. So, oof, very much looking forward to that. I absolutely cannot wait. Um, Just a quick text in here. It says, uh, Morning, Sam. Horrific management from the ASB Classic waited all day... For it to rain yesterday, laughing stock of a tournament, could couldn't keep up with what was happening. Can you run through the Australian Open qualifiers today? Yeah, look, I like I said to Ricky, I I, I sort of do feel for them. You know, had it been sunny, we would have been talking about the event of the summer. Great players. It's a great tournament when it's nice weather. Um, it's a great. Um, opportunity when you're on your break or you're off work to head down to the tennis centre or park up on the couch and watch it, it really is, there's nothing better than tennis over summer, you know it's like cricket really, you just park up and you you have a watch, so the rain comes and sort of throws all the plans out the window and yet we can sit here and say they should have had a roofed venue, they should have, they should move it, but you know they plan a whole year for this and (sighs) whilst they probably do plan for rain and, and sometimes expect rain, you plan it for for sunny days. I mean, surely that's what your your sort of top priority is planning the whole thing around sunny days. So um, 100%, there's got to be some sort of, I guess, review into the, how they've managed the tournament and were they prepared enough, had they gone through enough scenarios. I, but I don't think the answer is just putting a roof on the venue unless, as Ricky said, you can think of creative ways to use that tennis centre outside of tennis. It only gets the tournament Once a year, you know, and you just can't justify spending millions and millions of dollars, probably taxpayers, to to do that um, if you're only getting two events there. So they need to be creative with it. Um, The Australian Open uh, qualifiers today, just quickly, um, Jeepers, there is a lot of them. Probably too many for me to go through, sorry. Um, But there is a whole bunch of qualifiers on today um, and on both the men's and the women's side as well. Um, Literally, the list is endless as you scroll through on the mouse. Um, Right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, you can't be serious. It's our quiz segment here. All you have to do is answer three tennis questions or is it two of three? Or maybe it's the third one. I think you have to answer the third one correctly. And if you do, you go into the draw to win a private box for the ASB Classic. You'll want to get that for the men's draw coming up uh, later this week, the business end where all the stars are in action. So give us a call, 0800-150-811. If you want to play, you cannot be serious. Give us a call now.
11: 6am every weekday. Then it's the sturdy and scientific sermons delivered by the doyen of New Zealand sport, Ian Smith from Nine. By then if you need a debrief, staff is there for you. From midday to talk it all out. And if you want to circle back to some of that hysterical and mad laughter to relieve the drive time traffic, Beave, Kirst and Kim have all the gags 4-7 till on the run home. S-E-N-Z We're Kiwi for Sport. SENZ's Hawks Bay Ratings better be going through the roof with Izzy and Smitty. You're listening to SENZ. It's Kiwi the Sport.
9: 1NZ has one awesome summer lined up for you.
1: You're listening to The Serve with Ricardo Ball on SENZ.
11: Go down to the tennis and talk it up like yeah. yeah You cannot be serious,
0: you cannot be serious, and Not, not, not be serious That's the name That's the name of our quiz segment for the serve, you cannot be serious Three questions, they're true or false, nice and easy And if you get the third one right, then you go on the draw to win a private box at the ASB Classic Got a couple of people on the line here, we'll start with Brenton in Auckland G'day Brenton Very well my friend, very well So true or false questions mate So uh, you got a 50% chance if you have absolutely no idea Um, So question number one The 2023 ASB Classic uh, Is Coco Goff's First WTA title True or false
3: So talented It's
0: beyond a joke Oh,
7: You cannot be serious.
0: <laughs> I think it was false. Brian's giving me a look, a, a nod in here, but I think it was false. It's her fourth WTA uh, title, Brendan, unfortunately. But uh, stay on the line because it might, it might cycle back to you. Oh, I think we go to Steve now for question number two. Steve, uh, a New Zealand woman has never won the ASB Classic title. True or false?
6: Ooh, ooh, ooh. Um, I'm going to
12: go true
2: you cannot be
0: serious no that is false Rua Morrison uh, in 1956 the first and only so we go to question three and I think uh, our third call has dropped off so it must be back to Brenton now Brenton you've come back in uh, late in the piece to try and hit it for the win here so you get this one right you you, you win the chocolates my friend so only one Kiwi oh, bloke God. only one Kiwi bloke has won the men's title true or false <sighs> oh
11: uh, it
7: must be true. There used
11: to be, there used to be back in the day. That um, you
0: cannot be uh, serious. Oh no. oh, no, Brandon! We had three false. We had three falses today, just to just to trip you all up. Uh, uh, Jeff Robson in 59, only Perun and 73, 75, and 76, and Chris Lewis in 85. So there you go. Three questions, three incorrect answers, which means no one's a winner this week. Unfortunately, no one is a winner, Brian. You just those questions were too hard, mate. You are you're on your quiz game today.
4: I just thought false, false, false. They go yeah. with them and then I, I I go and hit the wrong button bar,
0: mate. No, but see I think in their minds they thought false, false oh the third one's gotta be true third one's got to be true but you you went that way you went that way all right well there you go that's how uh you cannot be serious works it'll be back next monday uh ricardo probably going to be back in the chair and i'm sure the questions will be a lot more favorable for you uh we'll take a break we'll be back with more after this
7: so oppo featuring Supervoo, lightning quick smartphone
1: charging tech when it comes to sport you don't always have to agree so let's have a yarn join me mark stafford 12 to 4 weekdays
11: only on scnz
9: 1NZ has one awesome summer lined up for you.
1: You're listening to The Serve with Ricardo Ball on SENZ.
0: Coming up to midday here on SENZ. Uh, Been great talking tennis the last hour or so. Um, Woof. Still excited about that uh, that trailer for that Netflix series. Absolutely cannot wait for that. Uh, after midday, we're going to chat some more cricket. Jeff Lawson, who is a former uh, Australian cricket coach and uh, now writes for The Sitting Morning here with some great articles. We're going to talk about Australia v South Africa as well as the state of Test cricket around the world. And speaking of cricket, um, of course, we have the... First ODI between the Black Caps and Pakistan live here on ECNZ tonight. Tom Barler, Pete McGlashan taking you through. So tune in from 10 o'clock tonight for live coverage of that. News coming up at 12, and we'll catch up with Jeff Lawson after 12.
8: Auckland weather. Partly cloudy today with a few showers, rain developing in the evening. Southeast is high 26, low 18. Join us for live commentary of the Black Caps, one day international against Sri Lanka from 10 tonight on SENZ.
7: Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your
1: equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. This is Summer Days on SENZ with Ricardo Ball.
0: Welcome back in just after midday here on SENZ Summer Day. Sam Hewitt taking you through until 2 o'clock and we've got a lot coming up between now and then. Uh, very, very shortly we're going to catch up with uh, Jeff Lawson, of course former Australian bowling coach uh, and now I'm going to I'm going to call him a renowned writer. I'm going to call him a renowned writer. Sydney Morning Herald, I've been reading his articles and really enjoying them over the last uh, month or so and uh, I'd recommend you jump on and have a read of those. We're also going to catch up with uh, David Choate after 12.30, talk some Phoenix. Um, what a finished to that game on uh, Saturday against Sydney. Um, Jeepers two red cards, two penalties uh, the Phoenix walk away with a 1-0 win it doesn't get much uh, more dramatic than that uh, I've found, I've dug up and found the uh, story, uh, the golf story of my brother, um, so we're going to play that out after 1 o'clock if you're interested in that and keep your text coming through on double eight double three, the temper bed post text machine or you can give us a call 0800 150 11 but we're going to keep talking cricket now and uh the, um, the Australian test team has wrapped up uh, the series against uh, par- against uh, South Africa last night. That third test ending in a draw. Um, Australia end up winning the series 2-0 and end their summer on a massive high. Joining us now to talk about it all is uh, former Australian bowler, former Australian coach and Pakistan coach Jeff Lawson. Welcome in, Jeff.
12: Thanks, thanks Sam. Oh, I guess it's afternoon over over there. So good afternoon to you and you listen.
0: Yeah, just ticked over afternoon. am I right am I okay to, to call you a renowned writer now as well?
12: Oh, I think that might be gilding the lily at <laughs> Sam, but you know <laughs> The more people are right read my column, maybe the, uh, I might get a pay rise. So
0: yeah, go right ahead. <laughs> Brilliant. So I do recommend people go and read it. I've really, uh, I really have enjoyed uh, what you've been writing. And uh, there's a few things I I did want to um, talk to you about specifically. But firstly, uh, let's talk about the uh, the end of the uh, South African tour, which did wrap up last night. A draw in the third test. Uh, I reckon South Africa were pretty much saved by the weather. Um, it ended very uh, a very dominant last month for Australia who I think sort of continue to show us why they're the number one uh, team in the world um, but South Africa I think everyone may be a little bit surprised at just how disappointing they were they failed to score more than 255 runs in any of the six in- innings across the three tests averaging just 167 per inning so how do you assess the air tour and how they've gone over the past month
12: yeah well I mean you've just given the, the stats behind the performances and yeah they were disappointing I mean that's Let's go back to Brisbane. I mean, that was over in two days, so nobody got too many runs up there. I mean, it was that was an exciting test match. I mean, I must must admit, as a former bowler, I don't know. <laughs> I've seen the bowls get a bit, but, but two two days was... Uh, that that was South Africa's biggest chance to win. If they had got an extra maybe 60 or 70 runs, they may have won that because the bowling was their strength and that, they did have a chance on that, that Gabba wicket, which did plenty. But when it got down to, you know, let's say uh, some solid test cricket on, on good batting wickets, which Melbourne and Sydney were early, um, they just weren't up to it. And, and their their bowling, which, which should have continued to be strong, uh, Nortia, Robata, Ngidi, you know, these, these guys, you know, they're they're generally pretty classy bowlers, but they they seem to lose interest after. After Brisbane, and uh, I mean Australia batted very well. Obviously, David Warner had a point to prove down in Melbourne, perhaps on the cusp of getting dropped, playing his hundredth test and getting getting two hundred. So Australia, uh, well, they they made an extra effort to make sure they played well, and South Africa seemed to fall away pretty quickly. So yeah, like pretty disappointing from South Africa, given that we, we expected a, a, a toughish Test series mm. after the West Indies, who were also pretty poor. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, Australia beat them two nil fairly easily. Um, but uh, expecting a bit more resistance from South Africa, which really didn't arrive till uh, till yesterday afternoon when I mean Maharaj and and Harmer, you know, batted out and had a long partnership and, and basically saved the game for them.
0: Yeah, I, I find it really hard in cricket to sometimes work out how good a team really is when you're not sure whether the opposition is is a sort of a good enough barometer. This Australian team, which you know, f- especially from a Kiwi spe- perspective, is is formidable, you know, and, and one of the best in the world. Destroyed both both the Windies a- and South Africa. Is that a, I guess, a sign of how good they are, or perhaps how poor that opposition was? They were playing.
12: Well, the, the saying in sport, you only only beat who's put in front of you, so it doesn't really matter. You've, you've got to beat them, and they, they did what they had to do. But when anyway, you look at the bowling attacks as strong as possible. They they even left, you know, Scott Boland's the new folk hero of Australian cricket. He couldn't get a game in in Sydney, mind you. They only played two seamers, which seemed a little bizarre. Uh, but there's there's good backup strength that you know to come and Stark was, was injured for this Test match, and and Hazelwood. Um, so you've got good. Really good quality strength in your, your fast bowling. Um, you know, Nathan Lillard has got 450 test wickets uh, as their spinner. There's a there's a fight now to find out who the second spinner is as Australia head off to, to India, and that will be a real test, Sam. We'll find out, I think, just how good the Australian side is, mm. if they, they can win away from home in India, and it's pretty tough win in, in India uh, recently. Um, so that will be the examination, and the, the batting's... You know, pretty strong. Just about everyone's in form. You know, Smith's factors and some really good form. Labor Scutney's, you know, number one ranked test bat in the world. Carey uh, got a hundred as the keeper batting seven in Melbourne. So, yeah, it's got most bases covered. Perhaps apart from that second spinner, uh, and that, that's where they've got a bit of a debate. And they'll they'll certainly need at least two in uh, in in India. So yeah, they they are a very good side and. It is hard to measure just what you can do. It's a bit like you know, New Zealand doing really well in Pakistan. I mean, I watched a lot of that series, and, and New Zealand played some terrific cricket. And that 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 second test in Karachi was was uh, a fascinating game on a, on a pretty low, not spinning much wicket, and New Zealand really got to win there. So that's a great performance by them. You know, in foreign conditions, so you know you can rate that performance as, as highly. Um, if Australia played New Zealand in you know in Australia somewhere I reckon we'd have a pretty good test match
0: Yeah well we'd love to see that as well I was going to ask you if you thought there were any sort of I guess cracks in this Australian team India very very tough and then of course the Ashes is, is probably the next big one in the middle of the year and, and going up against uh, our very own Brendan McCullum and a resurgent England side, is there anything apart from that second spinner, just any cracks in that Australian game that an in India or an in England might be able to exploit you think?
12: Oh well, there. Are, I mean, Dave Warner actually had such a poor time against Stuart Broad in England, so that'll the examination. <laughs> uh, you know, we, I think now Warner's going to be around for those two series. The, the questions were asked whether we should bring in a new a new player for him. I mean, he's thirty six and a half, I think. So he's you know getting on. If you lose form at that age, you, you tend to get moved on. But he he got got the double hundred. Uh, mind you, got, failed again in Sydney, playing a, a pretty poor shot, but. Um, so that'll examination of Warner in England. He's played a lot of IPL cricket. He might be used to a few slower wickets in India. Um, yeah, look, it, it's it's hard to say. So Lavis Gunning and Smith and that, you know, three and four, and they're they're powerful players. Travis Head has been in super form. Yep. He's probably the, the, the best best uh performed Australia batsman. And then you've got Cameron Green, who's out at the moment with a broken finger, but Here's a guy who bowls 140 Ks and and bats brilliantly. And, and he's he's also the best gully field I've seen since Joel Garner. So um, he obviously didn't play the Sydney Test with a broken finger. So with, when he plays at number six, they've got that genuine next-scene bowling option. Uh, and not many teams have a genuine all-rounder there. So there. Yeah, not not too many uh, too many cracks
3: there, Sam. It's, but looking pretty,
0: it's looking pretty positive. Maybe I don't want to play you over an Aussie uh, in a test. I think we'll I think we'll wait we'll wait till some cracks appear. What What did you make of um of the decision to to declare with uh, Kawaja on 195? A lot of people, you know, felt that an extra over or two wouldn't have made a massive difference to Australia's chances. Yet would have been enough for him to get over that 200. Do you, do you think it was the right call?
12: Yeah, look, I do, and uh, I was out. out. And there were a few ex-players all debating that as we were waiting for the rain to stop on the third day. And, and once, it, once it rained early on the third day, and then it got on after lunch, um, but he was never going to get a, a chance to get to 200 because Australia would go try to win the game. If Australia won that Test match, they would have had enough points to qualify for the World Test Championship already. Mm. So they, they they had plenty to play for. And, you know, man, Pat Cummins is a, a quite an empathetic captain for a fast bowler, but... Uh, the team winning was, was going to be much more important than, you know, a batsman getting a milestone. And, you know, Usman's batted brilliantly. And I saw Usman's comments on it. He said, yeah, that's all fine. Yeah, it's team first, player second. So uh, all very good. Um, and It's just a, it's a dodgy Sydney weather has probably cost him a 200 there. Now, as I speak to you today, it's cloudless, 29 <laughs> degrees, and it feels like summer. So it's only rain during
6: the test match. Yep.
0: That seems to be the way it's been with that, with cricket over here as well over the last month or so. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I've really been enjoying uh, your writing in, in the Sydney Morning Herald. I'd, I'd encourage people to, to go and have a look at, at some of your articles. Your most recent piece about um, the, the, the sort of demise of West Indian and South African cricket was, was really thought-provoking where you sort of talk about the rise of T20 around the world taking away from the test game. And I think we're even seeing it here with players like Trent Bolt and Jimmy Neesham who have opted out of the central contracts in order to pursue... T Twenty opportunities, and I'd argue, you know, Trent Bolt could have been the difference in, in a Pakistan uh, in those Pakistan tests. Uh, you had a line in there that said cricket needs Test cricket, and Test cricket needs all teams to be competitive. Do you think that's actually possible? Do you think there's an ability to have both T Twenty cricket, where a lot of dollars and demand are, side by side with a with a competitive Test environment?
12: it's it's not easy uh to to do that i mean as i mean individuals are allowed to make their decisions about whether they'll make their money and they've got to pay the mortgage they've got to look after their families there's there's no doubt about that but but nothing has changed really in the world of cricket since probably the 18th century where you know professional cricket started but the pros have always had their their way they they they're allowed to do what they, they want to do i mean and actually, in my draft, in my article, I did mention Nisham and Bolt, because obviously Bolt's here in playing Big Bash in Australia. Colin de Grandholm's here playing as, as well, and he might have been a useful all-rounder at Karachi with some reverse swing and some cutters as well. Um, so it's happening to a lot of teams. Um, the better teams in World cricket at the moment, so Australia, England, India in particular, they're strong enough to have players play test cricket. So someone like Stokes... Who who would, you know is a very good T20 player? Is the captain England's Test cricket, and that, that's a tough decision to make. Because physically, it's a very hard game for someone like him with bowls and and that. So, look, it's not easy, but it, it just requires the will, the will of the administrators and uh, the will of the players, and 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 wills can be bent and shaped and, and reformed, and and. Uh, as, and it's, it's Test cricket, I know Test cricket in New Zealand's probably had a bit of a resurgence, and you might be able to comment on that. But and I love watching the Tests in New Zealand, and a bit of that's back to, to you know Brendan McCullum when he was the captain, the way way they played their cricket. I think they have got a bit of depth there. They have got a standard. They they win their home Test matches, so it's it's going pretty healthy there. obviously Australia, you know, Test cricket's a part of the the, the culture of the summer, mm. and we had the, we had the big bash and. Uh, the big challenge for Australia this year was that the T20 World Cup was in Australia. And it was a terrific T20 World Cup. There, there was some, some fascinating and, and quite different T20 cricket played on some fast, bouncy pitches. Uh, and, and it really did get the public's imagination. You saw the crowds for that. But, you know, they were just enormous crowds. And then they had to go into a normal summer. So there was a lot of cricket being played. Uh, but the big bash right now is getting crowds back after a bit of a lull. Um, so people want to watch that T20 cricket, but uh, everyone complains when it rains in Sydney for the test match because they're all watching it. And they, all, they all want the <laughs> test match to, to be on. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, a couple of countries are lucky they've got both, but it is it's it is the South Africa and the West Indies where they, they're very, very good players, all go off and, and play around the world for their, their T20 cash. Uh, and West Indies cricket, and I did mention in the article that you know, there's a dissertation to be written on the fall of West Indies cricket. It's not just about um, T20; it's about a whole lot of other issues mm. that, that, that they need to address. And it's a pity because we know how strong they used to be. I mean, gee, the sides I played in the '80s were just, you know, some of the best in, in the history of the game. Uh, but but that's no longer the case. So yeah, T20 is a part of it. Um, Proper coaching and development is a part of it. You you need to have that will to to play multi-day cricket. We've got the Sheffield Shield, of course, which is still pretty strong. Um, We're trying now to get a seventh team into our Sheffield Shield because there's so many good players around. It's a multifaceted uh, problem, Sam, and it, and it needs a lot of care and attention.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting. Like I guess I look at New Zealand, and, and we mentioned uh, Nisham and Bolt, and there definitely is a fear here. I think amongst the New Zealand public. You mentioned our test team. We've only actually won since the World Test Championship. We've only won two of our last ten tests, and I know we've got a, a bit of an ageing squad as well, with guys like uh, Latham and Southey and, and Williamson, etc. So there's a little bit of I guess hesitation that maybe we are going to end up where some of these other the countries are where our best players are deciding to you know not sign the central contracts take the T20 money and, and our our national team suffers as a result we only have to look across the ditch to I mean you spent the best part of five minutes running through all the big names in the Australian test team the depth that you guys have to be able to sport you know the best test team in the world but also have a big bash competition send guys to the IPL uh, you know is is it, a, is it just a depth thing is that I guess what some of these smaller countries might be missing
12: uh, definitely definitely um and obviously cricket's a, a major summer game in, in australia where I mean, our, our club system is really strong uh, you know, the grassroots are very important to it and in you know, sydney cogria there's, there's 20 20 teams in premier cricket which is just the highest level let alone all the other levels and, and it's a very high standard because the wealth is sort of uh, well supported with facilities and you know, very good club grounds resources are put into coaching some of the uh, the australian cricketers association the, the professional body that looks after players they fund uh, players and coaches for premier league cricket and to keep ex players in the game as you know maybe playing a little bit longer at club level or, or coaching at club level and all those things are really important to your strength and, and your bet so which is terrific for australia but but everybody else is going to, going to do it well i'm not sure how club cricket you know, it feeds into the first class and the and the, the 28 assistant in, in New Zealand. But once again, we're really lucky in Australia. Lots of people want to play.
3: Mm.
12: It's well supported at club level, and therefore you produce that depth of cricket that that tries to to get into the next level.
0: Mm, absolutely. Just just before I let you go, um, Jeff, and really appreciate your, your time on the show today. Uh, I did mention uh, the Ashes uh, earlier on. That's coming up in, in sort of June, July. Uh, probably the next, I guess, major thing on, on the uh, cricketing calendar. What have you made of uh, the Bears ball revolution? And, uh, and do you think it's going to work against Australia? It's sort of worked well against sides that maybe aren't as strong. Do you think it'll work against Australia?
12: Well, will we find out? I mean, it, can you imagine... I'm um, getting six and over off Cummins Hazelwood star, <laughs> particularly, particularly if it's in England with a juke ball, mm. which is likely to swing a bit. Yeah, I mean, it, it's fine for uh Royal Pindi on a road. It, it's actually a great way to play because you just get on with it and you know the ball's not doing much. And I, I must say, as a, an ex-Pakistan coach, I was pretty disappointed with Pakistan's attack. They, they were missing their top... Top bowls all through injury, and I thought the attack was pretty mediocre. So it was a great recipe for England to to get after them and you know get five hundred in a day. Uh, speaking as an ex bowler, I'm, I'm you know absolutely soulless about someone getting five hundred in <laughs> a day. I mean, that, that's come on, please. Yeah. But yeah, uh, look, and, and that's great. That's that's great to play that way. And you've got players. I mean, you know, Crawley and Brook are looking so good at the top of the order. Gee, they look like like super players um uh, whether that works against australia i don't think so because the, the bowling is going to be really strong it, the question for, for baz is is kenny's team adapt yeah when they play and, and he's, he's, he said that too people said oh will this work everywhere he said no it won't work everywhere it works when you've got the right ingredients and you're playing the right opponent so the england team will have to adapt now australia have got four tests in india followed by the action so we are looking forward to Test cricket so much with that series. Um, you know, nine and unbelievably good Test matches coming up. Very different styles of cricket, most likely. Um, you know, perhaps spinning in India and then seaming in, in England um, against an England, a great Indian side and a great England side. So, we're about to find out the, the test of, of Test cricket. But I think you know, it'll be be fabulous to watch. Uh, and we'll see some very very interesting things and a great examination of all all the cricketers playing there. So uh, I don't know what New Zealand have got coming up.
0: We've got, got it. we've got we've got England uh, early Feb. So they're coming uh, uh, here for okay. Eng- yeah.
12: Yeah, brilliant. You see, that that'll that should be a terrific series as well. Uh, and can New Zealand adapt to the style of cricket they played in Pakistan? And they mm. played played it very very well. Let, let's face it. I was, you know very impressed with them. Yeah, you know, that that last uh, in Karachi nine down and you know it does to win. That's 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 brilliant cricket. So can they adapt back to their yeah. home conditions? So let's let's look at New Zealand England first. Uh, but hopefully all of the New Zealand fans will turn up to the ground and watch that, not just watch it on TV and listen to it on radio, but because that sounds like the next biggest series in world cricket England, New Zealand and New Zealand
0: yeah it's going to be fantastic and having Bears home as well I think uh, a few fans might be split a little bit on uh, on who they're going to be cheering for depending on how the, uh, how the game pans out um, Jeff really appreciate your time coming on as I said uh, loving your work in the Sydney Morning Herald as well so I'll keep my eyes uh, peeled out for your next piece mate thanks heaps for coming on this afternoon pleasure mate there you go, Jeff Lawson there, former Australian bowler, former Australian coach and Pakistan coach as well. Uh, do go and check out his writing on the Sydney Morning Herald. Uh, very learned cricketing brain and uh, oh, did love his thoughts. If you want to uh, react to it, give us a call, 0800 or text on double eight double three. Australia definitely the the team to beat in Test cricket at the moment, aren't they? They are flying at number one, and, and just the names he was mentioning there, and guys that are still yet to come back into the squad. And I mean, when you have David Warner on the cusp of missing out on selection, you know you've you know you've got good depth in your sco- in your side. A guy that can score two hundred is borderline off the team sheet. Um, the bowlers are, are scary good, and you know I think if there's one team, I mean, Test cricket, I hate when people bring up oh, well, they can't do it in India. Oh, well, England can't play in New Zealand. Oh, well, New Zealand can't win in the subcontinent. Cricket is that kind of game. No no team really wins away from home. I mean, give me a team statistically in the last 10 years that has a very positive away record. A lot of them don't. Um, I think even India, I've read before that India don't even have a very positive record away from home despite winning in Australia last summer. Um, but I think Australia have a really good chance here to, to go to India and, uh, and, and you know, potentially win a series in India, certainly pick up a couple of test wins and then go on to England for the Ashes and and maybe win there as well. Um, They really are flying high at the moment. Um, But what about us? What about the New Zealand team? And and are you, like me, a little bit tentative and scared that we're going to head down the path of the West Indies and South Africa where our best players are going to want to play T20? They might still play tests, but they might not be in the test match frame of mind. And our our test team's going to suffer. I mean, we've won two of our last 10 tests. Are we already heading down the road? Which you know, and I'm a I love Test cricket. I, I wouldn't say I, it's my favorite format. I think I think I'm an ODI guy. You know, sitting somewhere in the middle, but I still love a Test match. and I love to put it on over the summer and park up on the couch. And I love the theatrics of a final day, ten men around the wicket, around the around the batsman trying to get that final wicket. Um, so I need us to be, you know, I want us to be competitive, continuously. Don't want us to drop away. And it would be a real shame if, if Test cricket got to the point where it was only England. Australia and India that were, you know, competitive. But you might want to react to that, 0800 1508 11, or give us a text on double We'll take a short break, come back with for your texts after this. VFU breakfast.
9: ACNZ, it's Kiwi for sport. Keep up to date on Twitter and Instagram at ECNZ underscore radio.
7: Brand are experts
1: in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts, and service needs to help you succeed in your field. You're listening to Summer Days with Ricardo Ball on ECNZ.
0: Welcome back in 12:30 here on ECNZ Summer Days. Sam Hewitt sitting in for Ricardo. Coming up after news, we're going to chat with David Choate about the Wellington Phoenix, the controversial win against Sydney on the weekend. A couple of quick texts before news though. One from Ken says, Hey Sam, watched all the tests, really like what Baz has done with England. A lot of their batters, Brooke, Crawley and Pope, all young guys in New Zealand will be up against it as will Aussie be in the ashes. That's from Ken. Uh, Mark says, "Greeting Sam, I'm worried about our bowling attack. There's no bite or real threat there for opposition to worry about. Plus an X-Factor spin bowler would be a bonus. Cheers, Mark and Christchurch. Uh, I think a lot of people were disappointed, myself included with um, Ajaz Patel, who, you know, we all wanted to see him back in the test cricket scene after getting the 10 for. Um, he gets his opportunity in Pakistan and, and certainly in the second test, really didn't do much with the ball. And, and Bracewell, who's our third option, ended up the, being, being the one who got the wicket. So, um, in a way, you'd say, hey, we've got all these spinners to pick from. But I agree, Mark, we don't have that, I guess, that Nathan Lyon, you know, someone who can just completely take control of a game and swing it in our favour we'd be great to have one of those but we need to start bowling spinners at home we need to develop them here we're not going to develop them by playing them once every time we go to the subcontinent we have to do it back here in New Zealand Uh, and another one uh, Sammy the global commentators and opinion writers are going to have their eyes all over the upcoming England tour here and the Aussie trip to India that's going to be very telling public sporting interest in the Windies has shifted to basketball for the youngsters cricket facilities are tight interesting yeah I didn't know that about the um, the basketball in the West Indies but makes a lot of sense Um, and yeah I think uh, like um, Jeff Lawson said all eyes on uh, England down here against New Zealand to see how the Bears ball will work against you know a decent uh, or a tougher opposition. And then Australia and India, I, I really think Australia have a chance to do something in India, but very, very tough to win in India against a very good Indian team. Um, But boy, we're seeing the best teams on show, aren't we, over the next few months? It's going to be a cracker, and then the the Test Championship is very much alive as well, although Australia have have pretty much booked their ticket with those wins against the Windies and Pakistan. Uh, We'll take a short break for news. Uh, On the other side of that, uh, we will chat with uh, David Choate about the Wellington Phoenix.
9: Waterforce, your local water management partner.
2: A partly cloudy day for Auckland with a few showers, rain developing this evening and south Catch live commentary, the first Black Caps Pakistan one day international from 10 tonight on SENZ. You can never know what
5: it's like Your blood like winter freezes just like ice and There's a cold and lonely
9: the Shines from you. You wind up like the red you hide behind that mess.
8: Twelve thirty-five
0: 35 here on SENZ Summer Days with uh, Sam Hilt-Ricardo uh, taking a well-earned break. Probably enjoying the uh, the tennis, the ASB Classic, which uh, is back underway today. The men's qualifiers um, as my screen freezes on me. Um, I'll see if I can get that back up. Uh, just in the NFL, which I've been updating throughout the day, uh, the Eagles are up 19-0 over the Giants. Uh, the Commanders are up 13 points to 6 over Dallas the Cowboys Uh, Denver up 24-20 over the Chargers Uh, LA up 16-13 against the Seahawks Seahawks must win that and then uh, the 49ers up 31-13 over the Cardinals Green Bay Detroit playing at about 2-20 today and that is a very important game for both those teams Um, Green Bay win they go through if uh, Detroit win and Seattle win Seattle goes through if Detroit win Green Bay lose and Seattle lose I think Detroit go through. I think that's how I've uh, how I've worked that one out. And uh, just finally, as well, if you want to. Um Catch the ODI this evening live here on ECNZ. Uh, can't wait for this one. Tom Bartlett, Pete McGlash, and taking the mic tonight from 10 o'clock, the first ODI between the Black Caps and Pakistan. But we're going to talk a little bit of football now and the Wellington Phoenix uh, after a very, very controversial and fiery 1 0 win over Sydney on the weekend. And joining us to talk about it is our very own commentator, David. Cho- G'day, Chody.
13: Yeah, good, good afternoon, fellas. What a game. Uh, what a finish. Uh, crazy scenes. In Sydney but uh, the Knicks got the job done so they'll take the points and move on I,
0: I want you to just talk me through your emotions Chody over the last sort of 20 minutes there I'm sure there was maybe some anger then a bit of relief then back to anger then relief again at the end <laughs> Talk us through the journey you went on over the last 20 minutes.
13: Yeah it was it was crazy in fact I'm watching again the, the first half um, if you're watching sort of purely from a Phoenix perspective they've got themselves so a goal and it's, it's travelling beautifully they were starting to sort of fall off the pace for mine I thought throughout the second half and with 20 minutes to go, I thought to myself, gee, this isn't going to end well. I didn't see what was coming. Uh, it ended very sort of bizarrely, if you like. The refereeing decisions were, were one aspect of it. But the the Knicks were sort of running out of steam as it was. And then all of a sudden, they had a couple of sendings off, uh, <laughs> a couple of penalties to contend with. And they got away with the points in the end. So really, they dodged a massive bullet. Um, it was... Compelling viewing. I was sitting there, just going, "I can't believe what I'm seeing."
0: <laughs> yeah, and, I, and I heard David Domon with um, with Stephen McIver this morning, and uh, he raised an interesting point. I want to ask you about it, Chody. He, he said that um, you know across the board, the officiating in the A League is questionable. They've only got four full time professional referees, and they've basically gone to the A-League and said they know they're probably not going to get the red cards overturned it, You know it's almost a wasted battle but he said that they've basically gone to them saying guys we need to step up the officiating here because you know fans get frustrated people get annoyed they potentially turn off the televisions or stop going to the grounds do you do you sort of buy into that do you think the officiating in the A-League needs to step up a little bit?
13: Yeah it is average at best um, I don't buy into the conspiracy theory that says it's always the Knicks that are copying the bad decisions I know that's sort of a, the, the popular thought I think the refereeing standard is just below par, it is just ordinary the decision to send off Kryev was clearly made um, as he approached it um, as soon as he saw it he decided that there was a red card but if he'd just taken a bit more time I think he would have realised there was no malice in the challenge, there was no injury caused, unlikely that um, there was uh, the need for the red card and it changes the face of the game and referees need to understand that and I think most of them do but the refereeing standard out of the A League is um, random. You can see some horrible decisions, and the VAR is even worse for mine. I can't work out who's sitting in the VAR chair um, because um, you'd think that with the sort of the, the calmness of being off the field and being away from the play, you'd get a, a reasonably uh, decent decision. But the decisions yeah. coming out of the VAR were ordinary as well. So it's um, yeah, I think there needs to be some work on the uh, standard of officiating for the A League to make the A League a decent watch
0: yeah well I mean the Phoenix did get the win 1-0 and, and, and credit to them especially to Ollie Sale for for his efforts in, that, in those two penalties uh, as well do you reckon it could be a bit of a marker for them Chody? you know it's one of those games where had they lost that they could have sort of put their head down and gone away very very disappointed but they get the win they show some resilience and a bit of hardball do you think that could be you know a little bit of a, a turning point a defining moment in the season for them
13: Well, I think it's too early to sort of talk about mass wins and whether this is going to be the turning point. They've been playing pretty well. Their football's been pretty good. In fact, I thought their football in the second half of this game was probably not their greatest football. I thought the first half they were good, and I certainly thought the week before they were good. Um, So I think their season is sort of on track, if you like. They've got a side good enough to get themselves well inside the top four, I think. Um, But at the moment, they sort of bubble around that six, and the longer they sort of bubble there, the more unlikely it is they hit the four, so they need to get their results and they've got a a run of away games now that if they can pick up some results, then return home, they can position themselves for finals football. I always say with this league it sort of doesn't matter how you're playing at this time of year, it really comes crunch time around playoffs and that's when you've got to be running into your best form
0: Do you think we've got, um, I guess, the goal-scoring threats, Charlie, that's always been something that the Phoenix maybe have lacked in the past, is uh, there's someone who can really uh, bang them into the back of the net on a a regular basis, and of course now, you know, Ben Wayne's gone overseas, so we've lost a goal-scoring threat there, do we have enough in that sort of threat department to, you know, push for a top four and, and, you know, God forbid, win a competition?
13: I think we do. Um, I I really think uh, goal scoring isn't going to be the problem that it's been in the past for them. It certainly hasn't been the problem to date. Um, They've scored as many goals as any of the leading sides. It's been their concession of goals that's been the issue. So there was probably a bit of an overbalancing act done against Sydney where they really went tight at the back and for for sort of their attack was a, a bit a bit less sort of dynamic, if you like. Mm. Um, but I think I think they have got the goal-scoring threats. Um, uh, Zavada, he, he missed a hatful the week before and he took one of his chances. They still miss chances. Didn't they cry he had missed one? Um, and I think they're still wasteful in front of goal, but I think their bigger problem is just getting the defensive set up right because... Typically, teams that go on to win the championship don't leak lots of goals. And at the moment, the Knicks have been leaking too many goals.
0: Mm, no, I totally agree with you, Charlie. Uh, before I let you go, do we talk about Chelsea? Oh, <laughs>
13: um, Look, I knew it wasn't going to be good, but uh, it was ugly. Um, it was oh. ugly. Second time round against a decent Man, man City side. Um, I think Graham Potter's got a few issues. Um, I, wouldn't, um, I wouldn't bank on him being around for too long if they don't turn... Turn the corner in the second half of the season. Um, I know there's a new manage, a new management in place through the Bolley ownership. So you've got to wonder whether that gives them a bit more tolerance. But mm. at the moment, Chelsea look like also ran for mine.
0: Yeah, oh, if you know, two years ago he would have been out. You know, after after probably that first loss against them three days ago. But uh, yeah, hopefully with new management they stick around for a little bit longer. Tony, uh, always love talking football with you, my friend, and love hearing you on SCNZ as well. So uh, thanks for coming on, and uh, hopefully chat again soon. Yeah, no drama, thanks very much. There you go, David Choate there, uh, caller for us here on ECNZ alongside Daniel McCarty um, and a very good mind on the Phoenix. Big Chelsea fan, I didn't want to bring that up there but I thought I had to, just at the end, Chelsea losing two times to Man City in the space of three days. Uh, so they faced Man City in the Premier League on Friday, lost 1-0 and then in the FA Cup third round today they went down 4-0 and... Uh, the fans on social media are very much calling for uh, the manager's head, which is very common in English football, isn't it? You lose a couple of games, and all of a sudden it's Armageddon. Uh, what we're going to do? We we'll take a short break. I think on the other side of that, we might play Stumped. We've got. Um, we're still going to play Stumped um, without Smithy here, and uh, a little bit uh, later on today. But a $50 TAB bonus bonus bet up for grabs uh, if you want to play Stumped by Sammy, Uh We will take a break and we'll come back with that after this.
9: Ricky Swanell on ECNZ gold medalists like Emma Twigg and Zoe sadowski Synod, I catch up with athletes past and present, along with those doing great work off the field. It's open, honest and good fun with some amazing women. Join us for a great yarn on Trailblazers, Sundays at 10am and on demand on the SCNZ app.
0: SCNZ, it's Kiwi for sport.
7: Call anytime. time 0800 150 811 brand are experts in
1: agriculture covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. You're listening to Summer Days with Ricardo Ball on SENZ Ian
3: Smith's had a good match here.
9: Stumped by Smithy
3: Ian
0: Smith really is top class at his job
4: Yes, well, Ian Smith is top class and uh, I'm a bit short of a run there.
0: <laughs> it's okay. We're still in summer mode, mate. We're still coming back from the holiday. and uh, No, exactly. You
4: know. Yeah. Exactly. Hey, we b- relax. We're laid back. Yeah, That's yeah. Mine. No, no. Shout out to the um, person listening to us today, um, <laughs> 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 and it's my mum. Oh, there's <laughs> two then, because my brother's tuned in. Oh, there you go. There we and go. Those are double the audience. Ay, yep, just like that, ain't hey, me and you together, <laughs> mate? Make out for a good, good one. But hey, it's that time of the day. It's time for stump now. Unfortunately, well, or fortunately, we've um, <clears throat> we've sort of loaded up the phone lines there, as you can see, Sam, Sammy, and. Yep. Um, We have uh, Carrie from the Manawatu up first. Come in, Carrie.
0: Yeah, hey guys. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, mate. How how are you? How have you enjoyed your holiday? Did you get a couple of weeks off? No. Oh. (laughs) I hope you got to relax at some point, Carrie.
4: Just a couple of days.
0: uh, Just on the old farm. Oh, sure. uh, You know, farm work never sleeps, mate. Farm work never sleeps. Never sleeps.
4: No, no, hey, Carrie, Now you're no stranger to this game, so we're just going to get straight into it, mate. The three uh, subjects you get to choose from today: cricket, NHL, or NBA. Ooh,
0: um, oh, I'll we'll just go cricket, eh? Oh, see, oh. That, that tactical because Smithy's not here. Yeah. So you know that's the day to do it, Carrie. You've picked, you've picked a good one there. All right, I'm very interested to see how this one goes. All right, let's
4: get into it. <laughs> Okay, from the two, the first question. The BCs have just, or the Black Caps, have just wrapped a drawn two-match test series against Pakistan. Who scored the highest runs for the Black Caps in a single innings?
6: Um,
4: oh, Sky Williamson. That's a couple of chips down the wicket. Right in the slot, underway it goes. Do you have that one, Sammy? I would have said Kane. Yeah. 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 Two hundred in the first innings. Yeah. Yep. Yep. No. No. Well done there, mate. Uh, so we move to the second. The three-match ODI series between the Black Caps and Pakistan starts tonight right here on SCNZ from 10 PM. Tune in. Uh, the two nations have played each other in ODIs hundred and seven times. That is one hundred and seven times. Pakistan have won fifty-five of those. Can you take a stab at how many the Black Caps have won? So that was 40. 107 times
6: Yeah Obviously there'll be a couple of draws in there Maybe uh, What did Pakistan do? 55
4: 55 yes I'll go 50 One of the worst things
0: <laughs> I have ever seen oh, done He's chipped it tr- through yeah. to the
4: keeper Does the keeper hold yeah, on to it?
0: I, I like his logic there I, I just don't know how many we've drawn I'm, He obviously went 2 I'm thinking one, but maybe I'm going to go three. So in that case, uh, 49. One of the worst things... I have ever seen oh. done on a
4: cricket field. Mate, you both were close in around, it was forty eight. Oh,
0: so one more. So we tied four. No, tied one
4: four. tie, three no results. Oh,
0: of course, yeah. Well, yeah. rain and stuff, I like guess. Yeah, yeah, would have yeah.
4: been, yeah, no, oh, Duckworth got in there, eh? Yeah. <laughs> he's uh, ruined he's okay. ruined a few games for us there. <laughs> anyway, uh now final question, mate. This is for all the lollies for the TAB fifty dollar bonus bet. The uh, two Kiwis sit inside the top five for total career runs and ODIs between the two nations. Uh, it is the list is headed by the great Inzamam Mohaku's broken our hearts many times. Uh, First with with 1,283 runs. Now, both the Kiwis in the top five are retired. Can you name one of them?
6: Stephen Fleming.
0: That's
4: a couple of chips down the wicket. Now, Sammy, do you know who the second one was?
0: Uh, Against Pakistan. Yeah, against Stephen Pakistan. Fleming, ODIs, I'll have to go Roscoe.
4: Oh, you, you would have sent him home if he got it wrong oh, is because it? Roscoe was fifth on that list with 1,071 runs. Yeah, there you go. Yes.
0: Oh, well, Kerry, well done, mate. You got the chocolates. You got the $50 uh, TB $50 bonus bet, mate. So you did pick the right day because no Smithy uh, to, to stump you yeah. in cricket. So well done, mate.
6: Yeah, no, thank you.
0: <laughs> Good stuff. Hold cool. the line there and, uh, and Brian will get your details very, very shortly. Uh, we'll take a short break, come back with more after this
11: the SENZ app. Download it today and never miss a moment of your favourite show. Streaming live anywhere Anytime Anytime. Eve, Kirst and Kim have all the gags 4 till 7 on the run home SENZ, we're Kiwi for sport I love every part of my job on Izzy
7: and Kempi for breakfast Tell you what, definitely love hearing from you on 0800 150 811 every morning Brand are experts in agriculture covering
1: your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field You're listening to Summer Days with Ricardo Ball on SENZ
0: We are coming up at the final hour here on Summer Days with uh, Sam Hewitt, Ricardo away on a much-deserved holiday, Uh, and then we have our afternoon, or the run home, I guess, coming up uh, from 2 o'clock. Look, I think I might have jinxed it because the Century Tournament of Champions over in Hawaii, uh, Colin Morikawa was at 27-under when I gave a score update. He's 3-under through uh, round 4. He's 27-under overall, and I said it's going to take a monumental collapse for Morikawa to lose this well I'll tell you right now he's dropped the shot so he's 26 under John Rahm is 10 under for the day and is now no sorry 9 under for the day and is 26 under with Morikawa in the lead so John Rahm on an absolute tear he's through 16 holes Morikawa's through 14 so those two jostling it out for the tournament of champions, uh, and then you've got Max Homer I think, is uh, in third, in a tie for third at 23 under. So uh, yeah, there was also a clip that came out on social media. I, I don't know who played the shot, but one of the greens there is absolutely brutal. And if the ball, if you don't get the right line to the to the hole, the ball will go past the hole, off the green, and literally 20 or 30 meters back down the fairway. It's crazy. It's a crazy, crazy course. Yeah, they apparently scoring very, very high. Well, they are scoring very, very highly so maybe it's not as challenging as I think. Uh, Coming up news one o'clock, plenty to come between one and two, including a golf story from my brother, actually, which we played it on Christmas Day. So look forward to that between one and two.
2: A partly cloudy day for Auckland with a few showers, rain developing this evening and south easterlies. Catch live commentary, the first Black Caps Pakistan one day international from 10 tonight on SENZ.
7: Brand are experts in agriculture,
1: covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. This is Summer Days on SENZ with Ricardo Ball.
0: Stretch here on uh, summer days. Sam Hewitt sitting in for Ricardo here on ECNZ. One more hour to go. One more hour to go before we hand over to the run home crew. Just looking at the uh, ASB Classic and the game going on at the moment. Centre court. We have Constant Lestien Lestien, and Pedro Chachin. It is uh, Lestien who won the first set 6 3, winning 3 0, or 3 love, sorry, in the second set on centre court. And I had a look at the weather. Today and uh, partly cloudy with a few showers, rain developing this evening. So um, that might affect the 7 and 820 game. The 7 uh, game is involving the Kiwi Kiran Palpanu, who's going up against Richard Gasquet, Gasquet from France. And then uh, we've got Adrian Manarino versus JJ Wolf, the American. Uh, that's at 820. So those games might be affected somewhat by rain. And then, like I said, I'm not sure. Um, what's going on with the Ajit Rai when they're going to play that final game surely they haven't played it already I'll see if I can um, find out when they're going to play that final game or two games between Ajit Rai and uh, Manero from uh, Italy uh, it'd be amazing if Ajit Rai could get up uh, in that one um Carl says, don't you have anyone on the National Lawn Bowls? It's a big deal. Score updates with Manseemies. Carl, um, I actually did try and find uh, the scores on the NZ Bowls website and I couldn't find anything. I was tr- I was trying to bring them to you and update you. The, uh, the National uh, Lawn Bowls on at the moment, if anyone can point me in the direction of where I can find the results, I would love to uh, bring them to you. Um, yeah, I'd love to keep you up to date with what's going on in the bowls. Um, that would be, yeah, that would be great. Um. And just in the golf, has uh, dropped the shot. So he's down to 25 under through 15. And uh, John Rahm is in the outright lead at 26 under through 16. So uh, Rahm is uh, well, pulling it back but in a big way. In a big way. And uh, just to the NFL as well, Philadelphia, 19 points to 9 over the Giants, Washington are 23 points to 6 over Dallas Cowboys Denver are 31 points to 20 over the Chargers Seattle and LA locked at 16 apiece and that has big ramifications if the Seahawks can win that one uh, and then we've got the 49ers and the Cardinals the 49ers winning 38-13 Detroit and Green Bay going at it at 220 and uh, yeah that's the one that has implications if Green Bay can win it then they will uh, they will clinch their spot in the playoffs if they lose and Detroit win but Seattle lose I think Detroit go through if they lose and Seattle win if Detroit sorry if Green Bay lose but Seattle win against LA then I think Seattle go through I think I think I think I've got that right but you have to forgive me because the NFL playoff picture is always. Uh, That was very hard to follow. Uh, Don't forget live coverage of the first ODI between Pakistan and New Zealand live tonight on SENZ. Uh, Tom Bartlett and Pete McGlashan in the chair for us. uh, Live coverage from 10pm here on SENZ, so that'll be a cracker. Now, I did promise uh, earlier in the show when we were talking golf and Brian in the in the producer's booth mentioned that uh, there was a very funny story on Christmas Day that my brother told involving my uh, golfing escapades from a, from my younger years. And so we've uh, we've gone through the Christmas tape and we've dug up the story for you. Uh, so it was me and staff... Um, we made this Christmas special and uh, we talked to Steph's sister and we talked to my brother got some sort of funny stories and funny yarns and uh, here's the one that got told by my brother Andrew.
11: I've got two more questions but in between times what's a funny yeah. story about Sam from his childhood that only you and his family would know? Yeah well I'll see it too <laughs>
3: um,
11: <laughs> Like I said, it was a lot of hard work growing up for me, and um, he went through he went through a few phases actually with sport. being really into them. And he went through a golf phase, and so everywhere we went, he'd take a like golf club and a golf ball, and he'll be hitting it, which is fine. But one time we're at the gardens and a family day, and I was just trying to play some football with some friends, and he was whacking the golf ball in the same vicinity. <laughs> And I told him, like, several times, stop whacking the golf ball here, you're going to hit someone, you're going to hit someone, you know. <laughs> him and his juvenile state didn't listen, so I took it took it to mum. you got to tell him to stop um, hitting that golf ball, going to hit someone. <laughs> mum doesn't do anything, as usual. So there <laughs> I am just trying to play football. Next minute I hear the word, head! <laughs>
3: You know, and so
11: i around, and all I can see is this golf ball swinging in from a wide angle, coming down directly towards my foot, landing right on the top of my foot, oh. and then I literally had a bruise the size of a golf ball. eh
3: yeah. Oh. So
11: apart from being in pain, there was only one thing I wanted to do to her. And of course, mum, mum wouldn't, mum, mum wouldn't let me just fish out the justice, but I mean, she was, part, she was partly to blame. Uh, yeah,
0: there's a lot of bitterness there. Uh, so I, a, I actually remember that. Is that time for the second story? Yeah, no, no, we do, but just I remember that so vividly because it was a 9-9, and I was actually hitting them really well. It's probably why I kept going because I, I was just hitting them so There, This is back when I actually could How swing a golf club. Oh, teens, right? Th- 13, maybe? 14? Right. If, if that, 13, I'd say. And I'm hitting oh, it. Yeah, I'd say be 11. Yeah, I might have been a bit younger, yeah, but I was hitting them so well, so clean. And then this one that I hit, and it, I, I'm pretty sure mum said one more and then you're done. It felt like one of those stories where it was one more and then you're done. And I hit it, and out of all the good ones I hit, this one is just your classic right-to-left in-swing and no height whatsoever. And it, the ball literally—
11: There's no head danger. I don't know why you nah. said head.
0: Yeah, well, I should have said four. Said, I should have said four. But it, it went, re- and it was like it was tracked, it tracked his ankle. Like it literally f- came around and as he was. Correct. As he was running, it just sort of beeline for his ankle and just clipped him right on. To be fair, had that been the target, it was a great shot.
3: <laughs> I just
11: feel like if there's any uh, a story to justify the, the wisdom I had as a child, you know, compared to you.
0: Yeah. Honestly Yeah, sure Ewa, sure. Hey, what's the other
11: one? Um, I guess the other one When you were younger um, You didn't like punishment You didn't like the smacks or whatever I guess you were being naughty Or you were in an argument You wanted something And you weren't getting it So you threatened mum That you were going to I think probably you would have threatened You were going to run away Because you'd done that a few times <laughs> But um, I think this time you probably, got, you probably got the smack And that was physical abuse in your eyes so you were going to call the police. So mum's like, oh, go for it. So you've been quite young. Mum just picks up the phone before you. You dial
3: 111.
11: Pick up the phone. Think you're talking to the police. You're actually talking to mum. And, and you're asking you're asking, who you thought was the police. Um, you know, you had a case. Is this the police? And mum's on the other end. Yes, this is the police. And then you saying you've been physically abused, <laughs> and then the police say, "Have you been naughty?" And there's a, there's a pause. There's a pause you your end, and then a hang up.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, <So>,
11: uh, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, the good thing for Mum is that yeah took that out story. of the equation for future's max. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, look,
0: I was just uh, you know nowadays you can't do that. I was just ahead of the times, you know, ahead of the um, yeah, the head of the right. legislation. As it you
11: should were. be in the Green Party. <laughs> 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 oh, Elections uh, are coming up. Uh, free promotion. Oh, yeah, oh, gee, that's true. Lots of resignations. There's room.
0: Yeah, there you go. I don't know. Look, I do remember vividly the 9-9 uh, the to my brother's ankle. And like I said, it was a great shot had that been the target. Um, it certainly wasn't. I hope he believes me there. But uh, <laughs> there you go. That's Now you sort of know the skill level of my golf game.
4: Do you remember calling the cops on your mum?
0: Well, no, I was, I was quite young then. I was probably only seven. Like, I I know that story. It's been told many yeah. times. So I feel like because of that, I've got it in my head. But, uh, yeah, that was very common. That's epic. Have yeah. you ever
4: heard um, Russell Peters joke about calling the cops on his dad for getting beaten up? No. Oh, I can't repeat it. Okay. But if anyone listening wants to check it out, wants a hard case story, somebody's going to get hurt real bad. You know, like that's all <laughs> I'll leave it at.
0: All right, I'll go look that up on YouTube in the break. Uh, there you go. Just a bit of comedic relief for you, uh, for you. Your early January summer. Um, Carl uh, has said, I'll go to the Bowls New Zealand website. I have. I clicked on a few different leaks. I eventually have found the scores. Thank you, Carl. So um, I don't know where you want me to start, but the quarterfinals today, we had uh, Shannon McElroy beating Craig Tinker. Gary Lawson beat Nick Thompson. Sheldon Bagri-Howley beat uh, Philip Scogland and Peter Sain beat Stephen Liddington. So the semi semifinals, uh, uh, Gary Lawson went down. So... So, yeah, Shannon McElroy defeated Gary Lawson. Uh, so, Shannon McElroy going through to the final, uh, which is going to be played later this afternoon. And at the moment, we have uh, Sheldon Bagri Howley going up against Peter Sane. And I'm just clicking on the scorecard, but nothing's coming up, unfortunately. Someone else has said that it's on Sky Sport pop, uh, pop up. Unfortunately,. I don't have that in the studio. I've only got like the one, two, three, four on Sky, so I don't have it. So, look, if anyone can uh, let us know what's going on at the moment in the uh, in the other semi final at the Bowls Nationals uh, that got underway at eleven thirty. So, if it's not already done, it'll be very close uh, before the semi final gets underway in around about. Uh, sorry, the final gets underway in around about an hour's time. There you go, updating bowls when we can. Um, we're going to take a break. When we come back, uh, producer Brian has perused the Globe for uh, some important stories that you may have missed. What's making news? We'll find out after the break.
7: If it's happening in New Zealand sport, you'll hear about it on SENZ. It's Kiwi for sport. Is the new team in town? I'm six. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts,
1: and service needs to help you succeed in your field. You're listening to Summer Days with Ricardo Ball on SENZ.
6: Ladies and gentlemen, I've I've just been handed an an urgent and horrifying news story, and I need all of you to to stop what what you're doing and
9: listen. What's making news around the world?
0: Oh, looking forward to this, mate. Taking over the mantle with the what's making news,
4: mate. Huge shoes to fill. Um, (laughs) So I only went short. I went short this time. Uh, We'll start off um, with probably the biggest and richest man, baby, in the world, Ronaldo.
0: Oh, you weren't thinking, Prince Harry.
4: <laughs> Isn't he like the security guard's son? I don't know. That's 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 something else, right? Because oh, he looks it? exactly like the se- die security oh, guard. I haven't seen he He's nah. and everything, eh? wow. no, like, re- but yeah. he does look like his brother,
0: though. Like he does look like William a little bit. Oh, but do, I guess that's the don't guy they guy. all look
4: the same? Yeah. Isn't still inbreed? Aren't they still inbreeding in the? <laughs> in, in the <laughs> oh, now we go, now we're going down the rabbit hole. <laughs> oh no, yeah. I think I should get on with the story. Yeah, uh, so Ronaldo, uh, the big man, baby. He get he hits his lowest low of all time. Well, one of the He he hits a lot of lows. So he's hit another one. Ronaldo gets his lowest FIFA rating in 16 years for the 2023 version of the game Uh. at just 88.
0: Okay, so for people that don't know, FIFA obviously the video game and... Every year, they bring out the ratings of all the top players around the world. And what what would a good player like '90s in the '90s? If you're a good player, you'd be
4: yeah. So, uh, so his highest was uh, like I think it was '94. They said his highest was. Okay. I uh, imagine Messi would be pumping around there too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is the lowest he's had in 17 years, uh, following off the back of the Morgan interview and in the, the disastrous World Cup. Mm. The now Saudi League star is just at his lowest point. And also, what I wanted to bring up uh, concerning him was uh, last week. We spoke about it earlier. It was reported that the powers that be in Saudi Arabia will bend their rules to allow his unwed partner to live with him in Saudi Arabia. Right, because
0: you're not allowed to live together if you're unmarried in Saudi oh, Arabia. Oh no!
4: Oh no! No, you probably but, lose your head. You could lose your head. Yeah, probably, or both of you.
0: Yeah. And so, but they've made an exception for him.
4: They've made an exception for the world's nah, richest talks. baby.
0: Well, ah, money talks.
4: Money does talk. Eh? You reckon he's going to have an impact? A big impact on the league? Well, eyes do you wise. See the, do you
0: see the followers? Nine. Like they, so the, the club that he's gone to, Al Nassar or whatever, they had, I think it was 800,000 followers before he signed. Yep. And within the space of a week, it's gone up to like 7 million, which wow. already already they would have made money back almost on their investment in terms of jersey sales yep. and promotions and sponsorships and stuff. Yep. Um, no, I, I read an interesting article by a guy in The Guardian, who we might get on later on this week, who basically said, it's pre- pretty predictable what's going to happen. He's going to go there. He's going to start playing. It's not going to be what he likes. He'll start throwing his little tantrums and his fits, and they'll end up regretting they ever got him there. That's how he sees it playing out. So I'm I've, on board. I've with seen
4: that. that before somewhere. That's happened before somewhere, hasn't probably, it? Probably a number just, of times. I can't remember. Yeah, uh, probably,
0: just, probably a number of times. That's why he, that's why he's worth so much, right? Or not worth so much? But that's why he's got so much money. It's because he's just able to flake around from club to club. Um, just quickly on Prince Harry. I find it very funny. I know his book's coming out. I think it's coming out on Wednesday.
4: Yeah, didn't they do an expose? Oh, I mean, him and him and the missus.
0: Look, I, let's not get a star on the rules because that'll send me down a rabbit hole. But the funny thing, the thing that I find funny is what the UK media latch onto <laughs> when they get snippets of the book, right? Yeah, and yeah, what yeah. they yeah. latch on, latch onto in the book, like the two of the biggest ones that they latched onto was the fact that Prince Harry revealed that both him and his brother are um, have had a certain Jewish. Jewish procedure performed on their genitalia (laughs) that that was what the UK media grabbed onto and then the other one was that he had had a uh, frostbitten appendage during Prince William's wedding
4: oh wow yeah oh because the one that I heard them going on about was he's killed 25 he killed 25 oh, we'll people in that, that,
0: that one came out yeah. as well as him and Prince William having a bit of a dust up at a family gathering but ones that went like viral in the UK like Daily Mail and stuff are these ones about <laughs> Well,
4: uh, apparently it was uh, Will and Kate eh, who told him to wear that Nazi uniform to that fancy dress thing as well this is what he's saying uh, he's gone and thrown them all under the bus apparently oh, uh. it's
0: just a mess isn't it like every family's got problems but that one is next level yeah alright right, what else
4: you got sure. for us okay so uh, the second story today. Uh, Lake Superior State University has uh, chosen 10 words, they do this every year, and they've chosen 10 words or phrases it found were most misused, overused, and useless in 2022. And they forbode, forbade, and have forbidden, that's probably the right word, people to uh, use them this year. Uh, At the top of the list. Hold
0: on, hold on, hold on. So, they're words that are misused or used too much, Just
4: overused or or used incorrectly. I want
0: to try and get one.
4: You want to try and get one? Well, there's ten of them and I have all ten here. So, um
0: Give me the tenth one and I'll get the vibe of what we're what we're looking at.
4: Okay. Um Yeah, I totally agree with this because it's one of those things you say and it just sounds cool, but it actually means nothing. It is what it is.
0: It is what it is, yeah. That's I don't like 10. that one.
4: I th- do I use that. It call? means it nothing. We it. all use it. I use it, but it means nothing. Okay. It sounds so, cool.
0: So the number one, is it a is it a cliche or is it something that's missed? mispronounced or miss
4: it's overused overused it is overused it's brought up in nearly every conversation after a, an awesome performance
0: after an aw- awesome performance yeah. not credit, it's not credit to the boys is it <laughs> no that, <laughs> I think that was on their list that's in amazing. 99 bro, yeah, that's a New Zealand one. <laughs> uh, good as gold that'll be up there it uh, should be but it doesn't make the list okay what is it then what's number one
4: um, I, I, I'll answer that with a question what is Tom Brady the goat Yeah.
0: Is that the number one thing? That is
4: number one. And it is misused.
0: It is. It is. And misused and it is overused. Like, I I do use it almost colloquially, but that's the point is that it's been used too much now that it almost has no meaning. It's
4: a loss of you. know, use words too much, it loses their meaning.
0: Ajit Rai, you know, if he beats, or when he wins a game, people say, oh, you know, it was a goat performance, oh, he's a goat. It's like, yeah, it just, it is very much... And it, and it takes away from when you actually want to use it, right? Yeah. Okay, so what are some of the other ones? i very okay, interested.
4: Okay, so, um, and I agree with most of these. Uh, inflection point is included. Inflection Yeah, point. I don't think that's a big one we use over here. Nah. But you know, not. it's one of their ones. Yeah. Uh, the next one is a real big buzzword that went around the last couple of years, gaslighting.
0: Oh yeah, that's very popular, isn't it? Isn't that where you like over-explain something, is that?
4: No, no, it's when someone tells you about their experience and you tell them, no, you're wrong, you didn't experience that. So it's when you don't believe what people, uh, oh. tell their lived experience in life. okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. Which parents generally do that to their children.
10: Oh, you know, hey, Dad, I yeah. remember
4: when you beat me up. Nah, mate, you, I never beat you up. You, you know, that, that sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, what do we guess? I mean, quiet quitting. I'm not sure what that is, but that's in there. Ah, here's a great one we like to use a lot. Moving forward. Oh. Then they've chucked a few superlatives Uh Amazing, absolutely Does that make sense? And irregardless But I've got a couple I think should be added to the list Okay,
0: yes, go on
4: Um, Using 100% as a sentence starter Oh, 100% And then running off on your sentence from there
0: Yeah, I'm guilty of that I'm guilty of it too But there are certain people that do that all the time All
4: the time Um, Two more Back end Because the back is the end (laughs) (laughs) And The that's last incredible. one I think needs to be added is the whole all things insert oh, whatever the topic okay, is, is yeah. here. Sta-
0: staff hates that, and I try my best not to say. I think I said it at the top of the show. You, but did, I, you did, you did, and I have a
4: great alternative. Yeah, we are talking the hot topics in.
0: Okay, that's not bad. Or you can talk everything. We're talking everything tennis. There we go. But all yeah. things. There we yeah, go. I do. I do. Me and Staff both don't like all things. He also doesn't like. It's uh, lazy. It's lazy. He also doesn't like learnings. Um, well, it's not a word. There was one that I heard the other day that pricked my interest, and it was like. It, it, sort of like the back end, it was the double negative, you know, like, uh, I can't remember what it was, but it was like, oh, the dark shadow. You know? <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> as opposed to the light shadow. As opposed you know? to, yeah, yeah. yeah, So <laughs> there's got to be, we, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to think about some more that I'm going to yeah, add to this. and, and,
4: and, and, and if listening and send us words you think are misused. That's a
0: great, actually, yeah, double eight, double three, uh, words, phrases that are misused or overused um, that, you, that just really bug you. Someone's already texting here saying most overused phrase are here in New Zealand. It will be interesting to see. I use that quite a lot. Is that a dig at me? I feel like I've used that quite a lot. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see. Yeah, it's hard. You know, sometimes things are just little hankers for people. But uh, but I do take your point. Did you have a third story?
4: I, I do have a third, and just quickly, it's because of something I've done before. Maybe you have too. But um, a Florida a Florida family. Nothing starts ends great. They usually when it starts with Florida, but this one's not bad. Mm-hmm. A Florida family found a message in a bottle washed up on a beach and tracked down the man who threw it into the ocean thirty seven years earlier. That is amazing. Yeah, okay, so the family were walk- walking along uh, the shore in Sebastian when they came across a pair of people cleaning up in the wake of Hurricane Nicole. They were given the bottle, they got on TikTok, and then they used the guy's old contact. Now, the guy uh, started receiving these phone calls, thinking, no, nah, I'm not going to get, n- not going to answer these. Then he got the text to say, hey, mate, we found a bottle. He called them straight back, and he said he was only 10 years old when he tossed the Pepsi glass bottle into the Atlantic Ocean during a trip to... To the beach in Florida in 1985. Wow, that's crazy! That now I've, a great story. I've thrown plenty of mess I grew up like on a farm that's on a coastline. Mm-hmm. So when we're doing nothing, me and my brother just chuck notes and throw them and throw. Never heard of them coming back, but that is so cool.
0: Well, I guess like back then you wouldn't have put like your number or anything on it, would you? Like nowadays you just put your cell phone or something so that people could get in touch with you. Yeah. But back when you did it, you know, like. No. Someone might have got them and you'd never know. Yeah, well we don't have that home number anymore. No, so no. yeah, of course. Yeah. So ah oh man, that's that's a great story. Thirty-seven years. Yeah. Wow. And a Pepsi book. Did you watch that um Pepsi Where's My Jet on Netflix? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't yet, mate, oh. but I know about it. How yeah. crazy is that he chose the jet? <laughs> yeah, it's very funny. It's very funny. It's it's not the best documentary I've ever watched, but it it was a good watch. I did enjoy it. I actually watched I didn't watch many docos over the Christmas break, but I did watch um a couple of movies. I watched the Knives Out um, have you seen Knives Out? It's got Daniel Craig and a bunch of famous actors in it. Oh, um, no. Well, yeah, I watched both of them. So I watched the first one, then the second one is called Glass Onion or something. Both of them very, very good. Um, yeah, I enjoyed them immensely. And then um, I watched a couple of war ones as well, big war fans. So, but I like. I know I'm banging on about it all, all morning and all afternoon, but I just can't wait for that tennis one. That's going to be my next. As soon as that comes out. <laughs> How cool was Pitching that trailer, eh? Wow. So cool, mate. Goosebumps. Absolute goosebumps. We might play that again for you uh, if you didn't hear it. Um, there you go. That's what's making news around the world. Um, Text in your annoying phrases or words that are overused or misused or mispronounced. Like uh, the one that I always hear is for all, it, it's supposed to be for all intents and purposes. And people say for all intensive for, for all intensive purposes.
4: Yeah, and now, now I've got one there too because mm-hmm. the Americans use it a different way to us. Like, I would say, I couldn't care less, but yeah. they use, I could care less. Could care less. Yeah, true. I so. could care less. And it's like, yeah. well, no, I couldn't.
0: Yeah, and they also, they do other little things. Like, they say, uh, we would say it's cold outside. They say, it's cold
4: out. It's cold out, yeah. It's yeah, cold yeah,
0: out, yeah. 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 And the way I say, like, if it was us, we'd say, oh, I'm going to write to you or I'll write to you. You know, when people went off to war, They'd say, Oh, you know, I'll write to you while you're over there or whatever. They they say, I'll write you. Make sure make sure to make sure to write me when you're over there. I'll write you when you go over. Like they don't have the word. best command missing. of the English language, <laughs> do they? They hij- they hijacked it. Okay, we'll take a break. This is what's making news. We'll take a break for news. And after that I'm gonna share a uh, it's not it's not a new story, it's an old story, but um, I found um, sort of this website that details things very, very, in sort of short form, I guess, um, of some of the big sports stories in history, and uh, one of them that I came across which I really, really enjoyed was the Balco drug scandal, which a lot of you will know about, but um, yeah, I thought I'd just uh, bring it to people who maybe haven't heard about it before, the nitty gritty, and uh, I know Brian's really keen to hear it, so uh, we'll take some news and then I'll, uh, I'll tell a story after that.
1: One New Zealand is an official sponsor of the ASB Classic.
0: And that uh, Brian in the booth didn't quite understand that one. And I only know because someone out there in the office, American uh, colleague of ours, who doesn't understand why Kiwis use how are you. It's like a combination of... Uh, I was trying to think what is a combination of like... Is it how are you doing or she made a very good case for why how are you doesn't make any grammatical sense maybe that's the road you're going down Mark and you might talk to me because for Kiwis we just say how are you how are you how are you is it like a combination between what are you doing and how are you going I'm not sure but um, anyway I can understand why that might annoy some people let's just say that much um 100%, 100%, I'm sick of hearing people use 100%. That's from Mike in Christchurch. Um, I'm probably guilty of that, Mike. I don't think it's wrong to say it in and of itself, but if you use it all the time, then 100% it's going to tick you off. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, everyone's going to have their little things, aren't they? Uh, Phil says, phrase I'm sickest of hearing this year is meeting abandoned. Yep. Too early in the year to already be sick of that, Phil, but uh, I, I'm i in the same boat as you. feel your pain, Phil. Yeah, Mikey says, uh, great, Everyone seems to be a great player, which is such BS. If everyone is great, then no one is great. Great should be used for the top 10%. What the hell is wrong with being a good player? If I was mentioned as a good player, I'd be happy. I get you, Mikey. There's always just one step above, isn't there? Because then you can go from being great to be the greatest. you know. And then we all start talking about the greatest and then all of a sudden there's 10 greatest. Well, greatest is the, (laughs) theoretically can't be anyone else apart from the one greatest. Um, When people say anything, Instead of anything, yeah, I really don't like that. I really don't like that. Um, and there was one more here from Kenny that says, Americans also say, oh, that's cheeky, Kenny. Americans say, let's storm the capital, whereas New Zealanders say, let's go camp at Parliament. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and uh, another one in here says, um, hi, guys. As a teen in 1980, I sent a message in a bottle. It just went across a channel. However, it was found by a guy who was a salesman for Montana Wines, same brand as my bottle. Still have his letter. Craig from Christchurch. That's awesome, Craig. A great little story about um, sending a message in a bottle. Brian was talking about it, about his message in a bottle earlier as well. Awesome stuff. Um, I did say I was going to talk to you about this story, about Balco. Um, Now, if you don't know the story of Balco, it's basically the, the drug company that was exposed in 2002 to be providing performance-enhancing drugs to athletes in America. Um, some of the most high-profile names on that list are Marion Jones, who later admitted that she did take the steroids, and so she was stripped of all of her medals. Barry Bonds is a big name that's tied to the Balco scandal, but he's never come out admitting it, and he's never failed a drugs test, so he's sort of in the shadows, but I'll talk about why you should be suspicious about that. Uh, but yeah, plenty of Major League Baseball players, Olympians, etc., were caught up in this Balco scandal. It rocked American sport, um, and... Yeah, it was a very seminal moment, actually, in, in sort of sports, um, I don't know what the word is, um, credibility, you know? A lot of people sort of took note and said, oh, you know, this has got to stop. But then, of course, we had the Russian scandal at the Olympics, that Icarus documentary um, in 2017 or whenever that was. So it's not like it's gone away, but it certainly did rock the landscape back then. So um, I'll tell you quickly the, the story of how it all played out because I think it's quite fascinating. So um, a guy by the name of Victor Conte, Um, who was actually a bassist for the R&B group Tower of Power. You remember that? But I think he got into that group because his brother or his brother-in-law or someone was involved with the band, and so he sort of hustled his way in, but they didn't really like him. So he quickly got kicked out. But it's funny when you read up about him, he was part of Tower of Power. Anyway, him and his wife started um, a vitamin supplement company in California where they, you know, obviously to the name, provided supplements. Um, But it sort of struggled along, and they didn't quite get where they were, going so uh, they closed it after one year and they started another company called Balco, which stood for the bay area laboratory cooperative and he decided that vitamin supplements just weren't the sort of selling point so he turned his attention to sports specific supplements so you know vitamins for general life he thought no i'm going to go sports specific Um, he invested in an icp spectrometer or spectrometer I think it's spectrometer, which is a device that is used in the pharmaceutical industry where you put in, I think it's like blood samples, and it tests for inorganic impurities and metals. So it'll find out like, oh, you've got a high, you've got high this metal or magnesium. whatever. Or, or it also in, um, they would put like pharmaceutical drugs underneath it or in it, and it would sort of tell the makeup of the of the drug. So you sort of know everything that's in this spectrometer. Anyway, he um, sort of. Got learning on nutrition and you know what needs to go into your body to give it the perfect balance, etc. And he devised the system of testing the athletes with the spectrometer to find out their mineral deficiencies, so that he could balance that with the supplements to you know make sure that it all sounds they, smart. Yeah, exactly. Well, it sounded smart to me. Um, so regular urine and blood testing, he would monitor and treat the mineral uh, mineral shortages in those athletes, uh, elevating the level of physical wellness. But it didn't take off. And him and his wife separated, and in you know, obviously the business stayed alive, but they definitely struggled um, financially. But in 1996, the company turned a bit of a corner because NFL linebacker Bill Romanowski, who was a bit of a like a hard man in the NFL, a little bit um, sort of cheap shot, he was known for the cheap shot. Um, he came on board as a as a client to Victor Conte in this. Um, sort of supplement scheme and the word quickly spread obviously you get an NFL guy on there the word starts to spread more and more people come on board and he started making a lot of money and with more and more high profile athletes jumping on the train that's when he started to experiment with a bit of you know undercover drugs what could he what could he put into the system that may sort of evade certain testing and that sort of thing um They were manufactured, he employed the services of a guy, uh, an Illinois chemist called Patrick Arnold, who sort of thrived on trying to make- Beat the system. Yeah, to beat the system. Or or to make, like as a chemist, he wanted the drugs to be undetectable. That was his main modus operandum. And they were distributed sort of through Balco by a personal trainer by the name of Greg Anderson, who was a notorious um, athlete trainer. Um, trained, I think he might have trained Marion Jones, or certainly one of Marion Jones's partners, okay. um, and also trained Bill Romanski. He trained a lot of the stars in like weight and weights and gym work and stuff. And so he started saying to them, "Hey, like, you want a little little squeeze of the old juice or the cream or whatever?" Um, so anyway, Arnold the chemist. Um, was testing a wide range of subjects and wanted it to be undetectable even at the Olympic level. Um, He made five different types of drug, all sorts like EPO, human growth hormones, modafinil, which is like a um, a stimulant. Um, But then there were two big ones, the the cream, which was testosterone cream, so you rubbed it into the body. The
4: sharks use that, Cronulla sharks use the cream?
0: Yep, trimming the body fat and building muscle, Um, less effective than testosterone injections, but... Obviously, the very undetectable, yep. and then uh, tetrahydrogestosterone, or THG, which was called the clear. So you had the cream and the clear. The clear was an anabolic steroid that affected your body like any other um, anabolic steroid, it made you bigger and stronger, but. Um, with a regime of other supplements and regiments, you could you could sort of take them in a cycle. It would make them undetectable by the time it came to testing. Wow. So you sort of take it yeah. six weeks later, you're yeah, off you it, all same, that yeah. sort of stuff. Um, so they sell these substances undetected until 2002. Um, you know, all these athletes are winning medals. Um, Barry Bonds was going for home run records, etc. cetera. Um, and that is when uh, word began to sort of simmer around or grapevine that, hey, people are using drugs through this guy, Gary Anderson, the personal trainer. Um, So a federal investigation began um, as well as at the same time, USADA, the anti-doping agency, began a bit of a covert operation. So they'd obviously heard as well that something was going on. They received an anonymous phone call in 2003 accusing a number of athletes being involved in doping with a steroid that wasn't detectable. The caller said Victor Conte was the source of the steroid and as evidence delivered a syringe with traces (laughs) of the clear to USADA. Um, The anonymous tipster was later revealed as Trevor Graham who was sprint coach to Marion Jones Mm. and world record breaking sprinter Tim Montgomery so a coach that had sort of soured a relationship with former athletes was now the man who was going to be revealing all there's also, there's actually a podcast about this um, on American Scandal and there was things like USADA were fishing through the rubbish of Belco (laughs) Who would deliver their rubbish to like a completely separate facility? And he was fishing through the rubbish trying to find these syringes and everything. It was it's a crazy sort of, um, not conspiracy but sort of crime story. Uh Anyway, the syringe that uh, was sent to Usada um, was tested in a lab in UCLA that was specialising in detecting undetectable steroids. And he had found this. The particular scientist had found a way to test the clear THG he had found a way to do it and Balco didn't know. So he tested 550 um, existing samples from athletes all over America and found 20 had this drug in them. So uh, on September 2003, a big task force, you know, Inland Revenue, um, Food and Drug Administration, Narcotics, oh, yes, yeah. USADA, they basically searched the Balco facilities, found all the containers of the steroids and the growth hormones and everything. Um, they found, like, like cash, but the big one is they found all the lists and names of yes. the people and their dosage plans. Oh. So like Barry their programs. Yeah, their programs. Wow. Yep. So athletes implicated were Kelly White, British sprinter, Dwayne Chambers, shot putter, <laughs> Kevin Troth, middle distance runner, Regina Jacobs, hammer throwers, John McHugh and Melissa Price, Sugar Shane Mosley admitted to unknowing, wow. unknowingly taking yep. balco steroids. Um, but two names, obviously, Marion Jones, who was stripped of her uh, three golds and two bronzes at the Sydney Olympics. Um, and the other one was, of course, Uh, Barry Bonds whose name is very much tied to um, the Balco scandal he's considered one of the greatest baseballers of all time still in possession of the record for the most home runs in an MLB season Um, the major case for him was from Patrick Arnold the chemist who alleged that he was giving Bonds the clear a claim that Bonds denies knowing anything about which Arnold does not he doesn't claim to have seen him do it but he just knew that this is what the, the form said. This is who I was making it for. Jason Giambi, who's a former American MVP um, in, in major leagues, admitted to using um, steroid use in front of a grand jury. And he became connected with the whole scandal because Greg Anderson, that trainer who trained Barry Bonds and who trained Jason Giambi, had said to him, hey, Barry Bonds is on this. Why don't you get, Why don't this you well? get on it as well? So he so he mentioned Barry Bonds in this trial, right? <laughs> and a lot of people point to the fact that Bonds grew very big later in his career, put yeah. on a whole bunch of muscle and was was scoring more home runs in like his 30 when he was 35, 36, 37 yeah, than, he, than he did when he was 28, yeah. you know. Um so his name was on the lists at the warehouse. You know there were labels of syringes that had his name tied to it. Um, the problem is he's never failed a drugs test, mm. and he's never been caught using the steroids. So Major League won't revoke any of his records. Really, he won't. He won't get to the Hall of Fame. No one will vote him into the Hall of Fame. Uh, but the Major League won't revoke his records because under their rules he's never tested positive, so he can't say it. They and, should have
4: B samples available to test though, shouldn't they?
0: No, but he just never. It never got. He but now the guy has positive.
4: the test for that particular yeah, drug? but
0: maybe he just, just the timing wasn't right. You okay, well sort of they got rid of the B samples. Maybe, but in any case, he sort of got off scot-free, although he did get indicted, I think, by a grand jury for perjury. Okay. So saying that, oh, he didn't know this person or he didn't know this happened, whatever, was found to be false. So he's actually been indicted, which to me is a sign of guilt. Like if you get indicted for lying, yeah. how are you not lying about everything else? Um, so the the fallout of every, of all of this is that Balco... Nothing really happened like conte um early guilty pleas um I think they were they had six months jail time and a big fine um the Greg Anderson, the trainer was in jail for a year um and funnily enough, balco it still exists now not wow. it's not under. Balco, it's under scientific nutrition for okay. advanced conditioning, but it's still run by Victor Conte. So and they're probably still, still
4: pushing drugs well, that can't get found. Maybe. Because you the same people, I mean you would know this, the same people making those drugs are the ones doing the tests, so they're not going to test for the drug No,
0: know. it's it's an interesting scandal. After watching Icarus, you know, I'm very suspicious of, yep. you know, sort of world sport. But I recommend um, if you want a podcast to listen to, American Scandal um who do a great series on all sorts of controversial things in history they do a really good one on Balco where they really dive into nice. all these sort of people's past and how the story played out it, it really is like a a crime tv show digging around in dumpsters for the syringes and the phone calls and yeah it's and, and Conte himself is a really weird character like he'll do he'll do interviews all the time he'll do interviews all the time about it he's open about what happened and what was said it's uh
4: it kind of looks like the father from Adams family just a little, a little bit little healthier
0: bit. <laughs> Well, probably because yeah, he's injecting himself. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, that was the story of, of Balco, which um, which I thought was very interesting, and you might not have known the finer details. So there you go. A couple of texts have come in here on double eight double three. a few more words that people don't like using. We'll take a short break uh, come back with your texts after this. SCNZ, it's Kiwi for sport. Call anytime 0800 150 811.